1: So here we are. Again, we thought we'd go back and do some more uh, gambling stories and ca- stories around casinos and whatever else back pops up. Back to our up. bread and butter. Back to the bread and butter. The, the, the ageless stuff. Yeah. So Josh is on daddy duties again, so we brought Duncan back in because uh, Duncan the donkey degenerate. He, <laughs> <laughs> when, when these stories come out, they just... Uh,
2: you we're just we're to trying to have a D moniker every time he comes on. First of yeah. all, just uh, <laughs> dunk the degenerate poker player. They've got dunk the donkey degenerate poker player.
1: Well, I, I believe that I'm referring to... a. a uh, on name, uh, online pseudonym.
3: Yeah, two plus two. Donk, yeah. dunk. donk. Dunk. Donk, there donk, you go.
2: I knew it's along of those lines.
3: I yeah. might as well say it before anybody else does, right?
2: Yeah, that's the most basic trap you can set. Yeah. <laughs> it's putting a donk in your, your handle.
3: Exactly right. Um,
1: now, before we started, you talked about the hierarchy of gambling. Yeah. So you mean as in, like, players?
2: Players, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah.
1: So what do you mean by that?
2: Like how they'll start off betting usually pokies or something, then they'll see blackjack and they realise that betting 10 bucks a hand and getting 10 bucks back is he's better than betting 90 cents a spin and getting 40 cents back.
1: So pokies is the gateway.
2: Yeah. So it's funny to see, especially young kids, because they'll start off like either pokies or or horses or sports betting or something like that. But you're never getting like decent odds as in like two to one. Generally, you're getting like for Uh, a head-to-head race.
1: $1.65. Yeah,
2: exactly. So there's that difference when they'll go over to a a, a proper gaming table where you see someone who's betting $10 and actually winning $10. It makes a huge difference to what you can win in sort of 20 minutes as opposed to playing pokies where... You put twenty bucks in there, and you. I mean, generally, I remember my first time I played pokies. I was betting one cent spins, one line. Yeah. No fucking idea what I was doing. I <laughs> then you go to a blackjack table. Still no idea what you're doing, but you've won ten bucks. You're like, holy shit, this is easy. It's yeah. so so instant. Yeah, it's that beginner luck, and then you play. Well, then you get addicted, <laughs> and then you start uh, coming back and playing more. and You realize this game shit. The odds suck. And then they look at the roulette table. You're like, ah, oh, so thirty five to one. <laughs> That's not too bad. We'll give that one a go. <laughs> but the, the funny thing with roulette players is that. They are the worst gamblers in the actual building. Like, I actually did experiments when I was dealing in Adelaide Casino where you've got the whole layout and they've got a bell. The best thing about the bell is that it's obviously loud. So when you go got no more bets, you ring the bell and people will, like, usually try and keep betting afterwards. But you can keep ringing the bell, just yelling at them, no more bets! And they get the picture. So, right. Or if, like it's a contact sport, so people always bump on each <laughs> other and, and whatnot. So if the fight breaks, they like, ding, 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 round one! Everyone starts looking over. But so
3: so, so you, go, you go from the pokies to blackjack to roulette chasing a 35 to 1. So yeah. this, this ends with what, chasing a lottery win? Pretty right, no, yeah.
2: well, that's the thing is the roulette is the one that tips the scales because you can win a lot in a, a short amount of time, but you don't ever look at how much you can lose in that short amount of time as well. <laughs> so that can clean you out. And then you realise, oh, all right, so the blackjack shit odds. The roulette gets too expensive in the long run. And you see people playing heaps of money on Baccarat. You're like, all right, well, they're here every day, so they must know what's going on and the funny thing is trying to explain backer out to white people because <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh, I have played this blackjack before and the like, thing is well, yeah. you start to explain to them yeah pretty much it's a game of heads or tails you know you're getting bet on play hand which isn't necessarily your hand or the bank hand which isn't necessarily my hand and uh, you know and there's a tableau and as soon as you say tableau they're like ah oh, yeah and just put their money down and one guy he was playing on like a, a squeeze game so he gets the cards he gets to look at them and um I um, passed the cards out to him He looked at it He tapped the table and wasn't hit <laughs> The thing is The tableau said they got to get another K anyway So I just ran with it I'm like eh, Fuck it whatever just Give it another card He looks at it He's like Oh busted I looked at it Like his hand lost So I just didn't tell him That he wasn't playing blackjack at all Just took his money He went Well you did actually lose But I can't be fucked Deal another hand to you And the most confused look on his face Was sort of like This game's shit <laughs> Walks off It
1: reminds me of uh, That movie uh, Jane Austen's Mafia Which was by the Zucker Brothers
2: I uh, don't remember so that
1: one. It was a send-up of Casino and all that. Ah, right. And right. one of the games they had was You Lose. Ah, you just right. You hand the money over. I'm so sorry, sir. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry.
2: It's Casino War. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've seen that. Casino War is pretty much the worst version of blackjack you can get, where it's just you get one card instead of getting two well, and, a, and a third That was always
1: the joke, that War was one of the games. Yeah. And I think I actually saw it being played at Crown.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah. You know, like, it, it is played. Yeah. I and and Vegas it. has it as well now. I
1: just thought it was yeah. one of those, you know, the ongoing jokes.
2: Well, I think that's how it started out and then obviously the accountants got their hands on all the, the stats and went actually we can make some money out of this and yeah, that's why they always put those around like the poker areas because poker players always want to get uh, money just to buy in again so like quick <laughs> games you know where you can just either get it or you're not and so that's why I have those little $5 casino wars or the Isn't sports Isn't that always
1: blackjack. amazing the mentality of a poker player because adamant every poker player is adamant it's not gambling like I'm yeah, in right. control I make the yeah. decisions and oh look there's blackjack I want to go play I need money quick
2: <laughs> yep and I mean generally they are the worst gamblers as well because they know the odds yet they still think they can beat them it's like oh my god like this is like the, the odds are all there written on the table literally yeah. so you yeah, have no reason for actually losing those ones
3: I've become an absolute lover of pie gal poker of course as, yeah. as, uh, as uh, um, clear your mind from all the 10 hours of grinding playing poker and sit down and have a couple of drinks
2: yep. and it's yeah.
3: theoretically been inexpensive
2: yeah well well, it is actually a pretty decent game when it comes to odds because a lot of times you just stand off or you push yeah, yeah, yeah. So
3: 70 odd percent of the time it's yeah. supposed to be a push right yeah
2: and it's like heaps easier to cheat <laughs> especially if you speak other languages well not in the, the poker ones but in, when you're actually using the proper tiles right. Right. are using with cards or tiles I'd uh,
3: plug po- out poker rather than yeah. plug
2: out tiles yeah um, people will mark the tiles and you can't see it to the eye but it's just like oil off your fingers coming onto there okay so when the dealer shuffles on the table, you can see him glint from the the lights the right. of lights of the table, so you can just see like the the bonus hands or the bonus tiles, the big ones yeah um where they're going to be, and if they speak like Vietnamese or Mandarin or Cantonese, they'll <laughs> collude the, the fuck out of the dealer right. <laughs> so that's why the pie out of the tiles it's literally like straight up, you cannot talk because otherwise they'll clean you out. It right. happens all the time but that's the funny thing with cheating as well is that not only do you have to i mean you have to get away with it, but also you have to find a deal that actually gives a shit enough to actually report you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I never understood that people who try and cheat are generally huge cunts to the dealers. And it's like, <laughs> you can get away with most of what you're trying to do if you were just nice to the dealers because they'd be like, well, it's not my money, man, and I don't care. I'm going on a break in 20 well, when,
1: minutes. When you say that, the ones that get caught are the cunts.
2: Oh, exactly. Yeah, so. generally. Because and the biggest sort of example of that, not really cheating, but when you play half-price baccarat where bank wins on six, you only get paid half half of your bet. Okay. That's like instead of playing commission, that's for like the lower stakes. Right, yeah. So every hand's even money except for banker win on six will pay half price. So it's yep. worse odds for the players and of course, because there's never a new rule comes in that's better for the players <laughs> yeah, ever. No, and no. definitely not at low stakes. Exactly, <laughs> no. right. yeah. Yeah. And so you'll see the dealer, um, they'll deal it out, banker wins on six and they'll pay out full price and then they'll realise towards the end of their hand that they're paying out full price and you'll see them they have that split second where... You've either got to do something about it now or just go, fuck it. I've done it. (laughs) So generally, they'll keep sort of paying out, look where the supervisor is. If it's too far away and they've got a good table, they're just like, oh, fuck it. But you don't want the camera to see that you've actually made a conscious decision to sit there and actually go, well, actually, fuck it, I'm going to give her a full price. And so I love that see the dealer pay it out. You're like, are they going to click? I don't want to tell them (laughs) because then you're against all the other players. But you'll see him go, supervisor. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> <Just figure laughs> <pay> it <out. laughs> so they're generally the good deals you want to get if you're going to try and cheat.
3: Well, and PyGal gets to even better. So if you've been sitting there for a few hours, PyGal po- poker, yeah. you've been sitting there for a few hours and you've got increasingly drunk, you can get so drunk that you just say to the dealer, you set my hand. Yeah, and yeah exactly. exactly. You know they're going to do a better job than you. It's are a job. The or house way. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: absolutely. the stupid thing about the yeah. game. You can actually not play at all. Yep. Just and like, just sit house there way. and drink. House way. Yeah. House or way. in
2: some tables, you can actually play as the house. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Which is kind well, of crazy.
1: Which, which is just the same, isn't it? Well,
2: pretty much, except you're the one that gets to set your hand, yeah, you set your hand to the house hand, I think. To the house way? I can't remember. But you can actually take on, you can be the bank.
3: Is that not with a crazy dragon or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Stuff okay. like that, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't think casinos do it anymore. Crown used to, but I don't think they do it anymore. But, um, yeah, I know the old school Pagal players talking about playing the house, but especially yeah. when you're playing amongst friends and shit, that's generally what you can do anyway.
1: It's funny you mentioned, dunks with uh, Pagal poker being... Uh, your game in between the poker games. Yeah. Because it seems to be that uh, it goes out of fashion. Whatever is the the other game yeah,
3: yep. for
1: poker players. Used to always be craps. And there was never a poker room without a craps table nearby. Yep. Then, remember, it was Chinese poker for a while.
3: So, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: And then it became open hand Chinese poker.
3: Open face. Open
1: oh, face. Yeah. There we go. Which I fucking hated that. It's silly. Um, and... Is is it pie gal Poker now, the game um, of choice?
3: I, I don't think it's necessary everyone's game, but but it's, it's but yours because you can drink away. Uh, yeah, and I can also while away two or three or five hours. Yep. Yeah, yeah, um, and still be only a hundred bucks in for it yeah. and be pissed. Yeah, um, <laughs> whereas if I go and play a craps table, um, I might be there an hour and the swings can be much it, greater.
1: Yeah, mm. and it's uh, far more. What do you say, taxing on the on the psyche? Craps. Yeah, you've got to be energetic to play it.
3: The, hmm. the other thing with... If I play blackjack or roulette or something, my maths is good enough to know if the dealer's fucked up and pick them up. Yeah. When I play craps... I have no fucking idea whose money. To <laughs> yeah. 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 Is that for me? And regularly they'll say, "Give me, I need a do- give me a dollar." But I won, so you yeah. give me a dollar, and they'll give you a f- few reds back or whatever. Yeah. Your numbers coming yeah. at twelve, whatever. And by the end of it, I'm like, I have no idea if I've been ripped off, <laughs> if you've made a mistake, or if you've made a mistake in my favour. I've just got what I've got.
2: Yeah, and it looks like an organised scam anyway, because your hands gone everywhere, yeah. and the supervisor's the only one that's paying out. Yeah. it looks like like a street scam. You go through yeah. there, like pick which ball yeah. was under the cup. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
3: uh,
1: three card
2: Monte. Yeah. The
3: yeah. other thing that's wrong with craps, so, though, is everybody loses their last hand. At yeah. yeah, yeah. You, because you 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 on that roll and it's yeah. and so yeah. you crap and out. Crap out. So everybody leaves the craps table disappointed. Yeah. So why it's some, why it's such a popular game? I don't know.
2: Yeah. And I never yeah. understood why like games like that and Baccarat. We'll name the game after the worst thing that happened to you in that game. <laughs> yeah. Blackjack. blackjack, yeah, blackjack, sweet. Crap, shit, yeah, crap, fuck. Backer yeah, backer up, like that's no good. It's
1: like you're not going to the brothel. that's called HIV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but you are <laughs> yeah. going to the brothel. that's called poker. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I went to HIV last. Oh, Jesus Christ! But place around the corner, yeah. wife found out. Cock yeah, blockers. Okay.
2: <laughs> uh, speaking of that, I remember uh, in the, in the, in the the old backer up pit in. um I never told the story about Blowjob Johnny that would do with, with no teeth it was, it was literally the like if if poker players are the new worst poker players worst um, gamblers backer up players were the old school worst gamblers around like Blowjob Johnny was, was notorious for this
3: has to be Blowjob Johnny yeah <laughs> he was
2: notorious for almost like what do they call it the, the $20 spot or something like that where he was you 20 bucks but he gets to blow you <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad it was like he went to but he, he went to jail for a little while and uh, it was we didn't see him for like two years or something. Came back, still looked the same. And I'm guessing he might have actually come out of jail loaded. <laughs> so we seen him back in the casino already.
1: I don't know if loaded is the right term. It's probably too appropriate. Well, yeah,
2: there's probably a little double entendre there too.
1: That reminds me of that, that night, Doug. I don't know if we've told that story before.
4: I
2: don't think so.
1: Um but uh, it was one night, Dunks and I were playing poker. It was one of those nights when I, everything I think, was just going right.
3: Well, I think this has built this has built up over a number of weeks of playing yeah. poker and the same kind of story happening. Yeah, or, uh, same kind of recollection. Or
1: yeah, exactly. Um, but it was, I, this particular night, I think that um, you were up a fair bit, and I was about even or, or getting towards up. Um, and some young lads are coming in and, and you know, sort of busting and going straight out to the ATM and coming back. And we said, oh, yeah, you know, he's just off to the toilets, you know, just to get his next uh, buy in. (laughs) That was always the joke. And that was the joke we had all the time. So, anyway, on this particular night, Dunks is up a little bit, and uh, one of the young lads runs off to the toilet. And we're like, yeah, you know, that's his deposit. (laughs) He's getting his next buy in. And uh, Dunks goes, oh, you should tell him when he comes back. I'll give you you 25 bucks, a, a green chip. And I was like, I'd already decided I was going to do it. He threw in the green chip. I'm like, well. It. <laughs> <Free> <laughs> <money>. <laughs> Doing it for the laugh would have been enough. So he comes back and goes, hey, mate. And I just wipe my chin. You missed a bit he's like, what? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Dux and I like... It was cool, You
2: should get to try and get a pool going from the table. So. That's one thing. Is there's nothing better than taking someone else's money. It doesn't matter what it's for. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. even if it's only five bucks, you're like, all right, I have to do it now because it's someone else's money at the poker table. It's like sort of the ultimate goal is getting everyone's money, obviously, of, of the game. But exactly. if you can get it without playing a hand, it's almost like a bonus. Brilliant.
1: I think that set me up that night too. I was, I was good after that. Glad to help.
3: <laughs> we had a, I was playing last night and, there's, you know, you talk about drunk guys turning up to the table and... Um, the game changes immeasurably yep, yeah. this drunk guy sat down and the first hand he's raised to 40 bucks or something um, and everyone's folded and he th- except the guy on his right and he thinks everyone's folded so he turns his cards over and the guy on the right still got a big stack
4: Yeah, um,
3: and he's already turned over his ace jack and he goes to turn him back and goes no 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 I'm going to play this hand open and <laughs> leave this ace jack open so, <laughs> so, so the guy on his right calls, calls the 40 bet, 40 bet the flop is queen 10 3 so the guy on the right goes, all right, 120 bucks. And the drug guy goes, all right, I call. Oh, please. <laughs> wow. Turn king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And the guy on his right just, fuck our fault. <laughs> Straight off to the toilet, let to get another <laughs> bite. I
1: was playing a home game once and stupidly we lowered the, uh, the limits. So we used to play fifty cents a dollar, fifty bucks buying. You know, yeah. it was pretty good for a home game. You're not going to lose too much. You, you yeah. make a hundred bucks, you've had a good night. But we had some new people come in, so they lowered it to twenty dollars buying. Right. Yeah, but this, I think they kept the stakes at fifty cents a dollar. I'm like, guys, this is going to be a crapshoot, yeah. especially with new guys in. Anyway, it was a crapshoot. Yeah, or just every hand, somebody was all in. Just yeah, exactly. night. And I'm sitting there getting no cards. And I'm like, I tell you what, if I get aces, I'm shoving all in and turning them over. so I said it and like 15 minutes later of course I get aces in the um, uh, open the betting too and I'm like I've got aces turn them down pushed all in 20 bucks (laughs) and then the the other guys are fucking thinking about it. <laughs> uh, and I'm, and I'm, but What's stupid is I'm trying to talk. I'm like, well, I could have it. You don't know. What do you mean I don't? I fucking got not aces. What am I talking about? The guy says, oh, I was thinking about it. I was going to call you. I had fours. Ooh. We go, okay, <laughs> we have to run this flop. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, they folded. I talked them into a fold somehow. <laughs> and of course, two fours on the flop. Damn. <laughs> but
3: that's, that's the same story that uh, I've heard stories of people um, jamming with aces. A woman sitting there tanking. And tanking and tanking and eventually calling with pocket fours. Yeah. And yeah. someone said to her, well, what are you calling you know, turned over his aces, why are you calling with fours? He says and she says, I know you've got aces, so my fours are exactly the same as kings. Of course and so. I wouldn't have folded kings. <laughs> 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 it's, yep, yep. <laughs> but it's
1: horrible, isn't it? Because she's like, Yeah, I, I want you sitting right there. Yep. But bitch, you're fucking yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want that one.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, another home poker game. I'm just thinking of poker stories now. I remember uh, a friend of a friend um, invited me to their home game. Yeah, and there was like they had about twenty people running, oh, right. and they have a twenty dollar tournament, you know, and uh, I think five bucks goes to pizza and beers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So uh, they're all friends and whatever, but I knew somebody, so I was the ring in. And when we're sitting down, they're like, "Oh, you know, I know who to worry about him." And I'm like, "Why are you worried about me?" you know, you don't know me. And I thought, because you know everyone else. <laughs> I must be somebody that's played before. And they're all shit. They're all awful. <laughs> um, so anyway, I remember it because they only, the 20-man tournament, they only played first and second. Right. right. And uh, the the uh, prize pool was, uh, the numbers might not add up, but it was something like 150 for first and 40 for second. Right. So it was roundabout that kind of split. Yeah. So I remember we got all the way to the last two and, you know, I did something I lost anyway. Um, so they paid out his hundred and fifty or hundred and sixty bucks, and then they went, "Oh, we're ten bucks short." Oh well, what <laughs> <laughs> I got stiff twice a yeah. I've played for four or five hours. I've come second out of 20 and I've got 10 bucks to show for it. Yeah. Well, it always but is it, like on I'm the ring and What does it matter?
2: It's always definitely like a, a hard job to put someone in charge of the, the kitty yeah. you know, at a poker table when there's new people there as well. <laughs> oh. It doesn't matter. If something goes wrong, everyone always starts going, all right, who was this motherfucker that ripped me <laughs> off? Who was it? Who can I not trust? Um, we had like a game that went for, for weeks. It was pretty much just... Uh, uh, you have... Day shift would finish and they start a poker game going at like the local pub we had, and um, then they stay there until four AM when night shift would finish and they come in. Yeah, they would fill in cool. some seats and literally it would go for weeks and weeks and weeks. There's and probably
1: t- some bloke there that retired three years ago who's still in the game. <laughs> yeah, but it's still
2: hard. You got to have the permanent accountant in charge of the kitty because people are buying in and cashing out and whatnot. Plus, it's illegal at a pub that's sort of dodgy as it is. Um, and then you've got de- dealers who get drunk and are in for too much by the end of it, and so literally <laughs> you're having to go back to work for free.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the movie was got always out. that the dealers' games were the most action-backed as well. Yeah,
2: they were huge. Like, literally, they are massive games. Because dealers, like, if poker player players are the worst gamblers, dealers are very, very close seconds. <laughs> like, they are fucking terrible. It's,
1: it's be like, th- like running a pub. The old story is there's only two people that run a pub, and that's teetotalers and alcoholics. Yeah, exactly. Dealers seem like the same.
2: Yeah. Well, people finish night shift at 4am and then organise a, a road trip to Canberra like straight after you finish work. Just get changed, go there. You don't sleep because you'll stay there overnight, gamble and then drive back in the morning.
1: It used to be when you worked at the Adelaide Casino, the pub across the road had yeah. the best, well, the highest uh, filled pokies yep. in, the, in the state. Because
2: By a long shot. The dealers go straight across the road and play poker. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because that was it was the Strath. I'm pretty sure they would still do it as well because it was on, on North Terrace, so it was all hotels surrounding there as well. Mm-hmm. So they just stay open from four until you know whatever, whatever. their closing period is supposed to be. Just for hospitality stuff. So if you had the badge, you go in there and straight away you walk in there and it's just all casino staff just lining every single pokey, just pumping them. It's kind of crazy. But I, oh, I try and explain to people like it'd be like working in a, a chocolate factory and not being allowed yeah. to eat chocolate being banned yeah. from eating chocolate the first thing you want to do is eat chocolate of course it is yeah. and especially when you always win <laughs> it's like hey shit's easy man i got to get a cut of this I'm making all this money for James Packer and i got to keep fuck all of it
3: going <laughs> to I, I say I'm convinced walking around a casino going back to your hierarchy of gamblers yeah. that the people that look the most miserable in a casino are those that are sitting there pumping money into the slots yeah. and so. the people that look happiest in a casino are those that are playing craps yeah, yeah. definitely yeah um, uh, and everything
2: else is in between yeah and the, the players are the most high maintenance as well they're the ones that want like all, everything for free all the drinks after, yeah. entitled yeah. yeah and they're like I've pumped you know 500 bucks into this machine like yeah an old man of theirs paying 6 grand a hand a right, champ so <laughs> <laughs> I know this looks to you but it's not much in the grand scheme of things
0: God, it
1: always puzzled me the people that um, you know get the free comped meals and yeah. stuff. You know, I saw it at Star City um, when it used to be called Star City. Some woman who got two comped meals and she's eaten one and she's put the other one into a plastic bag. It was like <laughs> it was fish and chips or something like that oh, too. Jesus. She's got it in you know the bloody Ziploc bags. and yeah. I thought that can't be good.
2: Yeah, I remember when I was studying. What a guy I was next to. He had a his pencil case full of Mentos and some um, <laughs> bottled water. I looked at him I'm like. I know they give them away for free in the mahogany room. So I asked him, like, did you get those from the mahogany room? And he just looked at me going, how the fuck did you know that? He <laughs> <laughs> was a little Viet dude, funny as fuck too. They're like, ah, oh, I work there. He's like, oh yeah, mum and dad are in there every day. So they just bring him home, like bucket loads of them. <laughs> Which is not surprised hey, at
1: all. I might have dropped a hundred grand last night but I got their fucking Mentos. <laughs> yep. But I was smelling fresh as a daisy walking <laughs> out of there. If they gave him Diet Coke as well, they'd just make it for him.
2: Nah, just water. That's all you get. And it's okay. funny because they used to give away, um, they used to comp like everything. They used to comp cigarettes until the waitresses, they just steal the cigarettes. <laughs> they just stock take, they were ten grand short on cigarettes <laughs> just just from all the, the waitress staff. Just, yeah, pocketing them pretty that's,
3: much. That's where it's very different here. As opposed to over in the States. So. Yeah. So Gratuities it, it, yeah, the comps. Because at least in the States, there is some competition. Say, yeah. Whereas we're, we're here with um, complete absence of competition. So unless yep. you are spending serious money, you can get fucked. I was going to say,
1: their the only competition is blokes that can fly to the next casino yeah. as yeah. opposed to walk across the road.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the thing is, because the I mean, Crown's obviously a huge casino, but when you start looking around, there's not that much of a, a huge casino besides Star City well, I mean I've been there for a while but they renovated the rest of them aren't really competitors
3: you know what I mean uh, really not, not certainly Singapore. not for here I think the nearest yeah. competitors are Singapore and Macau yeah and um,
2: Singapore definitely had a huge effect on, on gambling here
3: it's weird, weird it's very strange to go and play in Singapore though because you need to prove that you're non singaporean to get oh, really? in so I've taken okay. you know, times I've played there I had to take my passport yeah. um, to get in if you're Singaporean I think you had to pay a hundred bucks to get in or something yeah. um, just to try and control the gambling and I went and played um, poker there, and the lowest stakes were 5.10. And it's roughly, roughly one-to-one um, exchange rate. Okay. So I sat down at the 5.10 table in Singapore with a load of Singaporeans, so I've already pegged them as they're Asian, so they're going to be aggro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so first-hand hand, first I sit down, and someone opens, and someone three-bets and I flat with pocket kings first hand. Right. <laughs> chat so are, we, are we?
1: Are we playing limit? Are we? I'm playing five, five ten. Five ten limit. No, no, yep. no limit. No limit. Okay, so yep. I've
3: bought in for a grand, a thousand bucks. Five <laughs> ten first hand. It's flatted with pocket kings. The other guy's um, called. gone to a flop. The flop's nine high or something. And the first, the first agent to act looks around, giving. I'm thinking, now he's just going to try and pick on the rep, the, yep. the white guy. I'm going <laughs> to fucking show this motherfucker, and he bets out fairly large, and the other guy folds. I call, traps for well and says, say, I've got an overpair, i got this fucking nail. What,
1: what two pair has he got? On, kick on.
3: <laughs> the turn pairs to six. Yep. Ooh. He bets again. My, t- I've got two pair now. <laughs> call. The river's a brick. He shoves. I'm like, yeah, he's just trying to shove because I'm the newbie. He's trying to show yep. how good he is. I call me kings, flip them over. He p- flips over quads. Yeah. Okay, yeah. one no. hand okay. and I was gone yep. picked up and went oh, sorry I say picked up and went I I say pick, I meant picked up, picked up my mobile phone and went yeah. picked <laughs> up my pride you certainly didn't pick up you didn't pick
1: up pride you didn't pick up dignity one hand and you didn't pick up chips yeah
3: one hand isn't it funny I've had a,
1: at least two golden ducks like that Yeah, and both with pocket kings
3: yeah I had one with Ace King where I sat down and someone raised and someone else someone other I four I think Ace King and jammed it and because I knew the guy that I was playing against, yeah. and he's super tight, but obviously he called with aces. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I've done that in a tournament, actually. Yeah, that's right. I
3: did a one-hander in a tournament. Yeah, yeah, Went back to the booth to get another ticket for cash game, and was back in the same seat I'd left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they that, said, that, I thought that you were to play worse. the
2: tournament. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my, my old trainer, um, she was telling me when she was a dealer, she was doing a or something, and it was one of the dudes who was royalty from Jordan, uh, i mean a prince or whatever it was he went out in straight sets for like six million dollars on baccarat <laughs> just nine hands done over and done with wow. I think that was in England too which was a dealer there um.
1: well I remember the, the king of Jordan I want to say King Hussein of Jordan yeah, that yeah, sounds right he, he, and, he was good mates with um, Branson who was in his oh was he yeah so he was, oh, yeah, he was yeah. very western friendly yeah. so to speak so,
2: well, most of them all are I mean yeah. they all despite what their religion might say, they all eat pork and they bang white hookers <laughs> so that's not a secret at all. <laughs> I still remember we had uh, the junket a little bit from, from Singapore, actually. Um, a dude, what he does for, instead of doing like Christmas party, he'll get his subordinates, the top subordinates, and he'll take them on a trip, again on a trip to Crown, like all paid. Some of them got wires, some of them don't, but he'll supply everything and they'll book out like a whole salon. Everyone yeah. remember they had like six hookers and they were like the group hookers so he paid for them
3: and i was sit you don't on, want to lose your morals on the third night
2: the actual owner he was there with his wife and that so he wasn't touching hookers that was just for all the subordinates and whatnot and i'm guessing they got wires over at home and you know some dodgy shit but all still out in the open and there's one old dude man i was sitting on a table where i was doing nothing they'd actually play at my table so i could just sit there and watch and enjoy myself and um this old man he's he's come back and he's or he's actually walked off with two of the girls Two of the girls, I'm like, holy fuck, this old dude. Like, I was surprised if he could have had one, like, looking at how old he was. It looked like a prune, more or less. Anyway, not more than 10 minutes later, he's come back, and not shitting you, the lady has a stain on her dress. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is like a movie. Yeah. Gets worse, because right across from me was a massage chair, where you've got like, uh, obviously, yeah. massages everything. So the calves, you've got those little stirrups that you put your feet in, you put your arms back.
1: When you say massage chair, do you mean one that a masseuse would use or one that you
3: put two bucks in, yeah, in the,
2: there. Yeah, yeah. The
3: one you're thinking of where you put your feet in the stirrups and if yep. someone else uses, that's completely different. All right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I'm, I'm sitting at my baccarat table watching the action going on and my supervisor, he's like this new one down next to me he's sort of having a chat to me. And then he's just going, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. I'm like, what? He's like, nah, nah, nah. Like, I can't. And I'm like, you've got to tell me. He's like... Just uh just lean down just a little bit further down in your chair. So I've got down and the lady is directly across from me, with her legs in the strip with the massage chair, with no underwear on. And we are just gone, Oh shit, oh my god. Oh my god. But obviously we said it loud enough so she's kinda of looked up. And she's <laughs> gone
4: <gasps> oh, shit.
2: <laughs> and, and then they started talking to each other. We're like, oh, shit, we'll be in serious trouble here, man. This, is, this isn't very good. <laughs> and they're like, she just goes, and that's it. Didn't see her again. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, I don't know if they're local ones or if they bring them from Singapore or how that works out. If Crown hooks them up with them, if they've got their own little harem that they sort of work out of or something. But, yeah, um, I, guess, uh, uh, I don't play high enough stakes. Yeah. yeah. But you probably get a high enough job in Singapore, I reckon. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, bloody hell.
1: Um, so, Dunks, how did your gambling career start? And I'm going to throw out a guess there before you're 18.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so there used to be uh, what you'd call a pokey, but we'd call a fruit machine growing up in England. Are fruit
1: machines the same thing? Essentially, except they've
3: got fruit on them. Uh, Yeah, Um, yeah. And there was one in the bus station. So I used to get the bus to school and then walk the five minutes from the bus station. Yeah. And they had a fruit machine there, and occasionally you'd put 20 pence in it for a couple of spins. But one day, um, it was paying out pound coins instead of 10 pence pieces. (laughs) So I was a couple of hours late to school that morning. (laughs) Um, And every time you got a 40 cents win, that was essentially winning the jackpot. 40 pence win, that was essentially winning the jackpot. Right, right. And you were always very disappointed if you got a win at um, 80 cents and then it went up to 120 because 120 was worth, worth less than 80 pence because, because of, the of the way uh, it was paying it was out. Paying out. Right. And I, I, I think I was about two and a half hours late, late to school that day. And, <laughs> and from that moment on, I was um, uh, fairly encouraged. I've got to
1: say, and your old man understood. He was like, yeah, fair enough. that's uh, <laughs> Your old man, he understood.
3: Uh, no, no, my, my old, old man's definitely not a gambler. Uh, oh, at, really? all. A, at all. At um, all. My brother is, um, but my dad's definitely not. Way too conservative, way too Scottish. Um, so, yeah, that was... Um, playing a fruit machine because everyone starts off as f- on the fruit machine as Brenton said yep. <laughs> um, and then I was never really a big big gambler um, yep. but I'd like having a gamble on things with a mate about yeah, yeah. fly gun up a wall or whatever it was rather than let's say going into the casino and gambling hardcore mm. and then started playing poker because of you Yeah. Um, you're the first one that dragged me down the crown and um, let me get all shaky when I flop trips or something <laughs> um, and that was probably about nine years ago
1: <laughs> God was it really it was about 2008 2009 so yeah would have been That's when I I started at uh, at Coles.
3: And I still haven't moved up. (laughs) 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 You've
1: had a few trips to Vegas, you haven't just come back. Had a few
3: trips to Vegas, had another one just in January. And I don't think we've spoken since the the last World Series in June. No. So, um, one of the reasons I think I've said to you that I enjoy playing poker is there are... It's not just about taking shots, um, but on occasions that you do take shots, there's always a chance that you'll be playing against one of the best players and one of the famous people. Yeah. So... You know, I'm never going to be playing tennis against Federer. Yeah. I'm never going to be playing golf against Tiger Woods. But if I sit down at a poker table in a World Series event, I might get to play somebody famous. Yeah, I mean, that's so. a good point, actually. If and, you uh,
1: play the $1, $2, you might play Gus Hansen. You I know. might <laughs> play Gus at the $1, yeah. two.
3: Um So when I was pl- over in Vegas last, I was playing 2-5 with James Woods. Yeah, no, really. Yeah, yeah, um, and he was really cool. Um, all those tw- Twitter feed recently has just gone completely bonkers but because well,
1: um, he's famous he lives in Hollywood and Donald Trump got in I'm guessing yeah, that's what right. it's about
3: and, he, and he's happy about Donald Trump is he um, but in terms of being on the table he was super super friendly yep um, and you know had chatted and chatted about Australia and all the rest of it but then what something strange happened he had another mate on the table who used to be a tennis pro um, but I can't remember his name he was an, an Israeli guy so he obviously wasn't that successful because I can't remember his name <laughs> yeah. um, so he went off for a cigarette at some point and another one of his mates said, oh, I'll just play his hand for him. So another one of his mates Jeez. jumps into his jumps <laughs> into the chair behind his Iranian mate stack. And went raise 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 <laughs> triple barreled, um triple bowled and doubled up. <laughs> so the guy came back from his cigarette. He'd left with eight hundred bucks. Comes back and has sixteen hundred. <laughs> yes, I,
1: I, I take up smoking. Uh, and, and James Woods,
3: because James Woods is there, they kind of bend the rules a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's fine. And James Woods is going, "It's all right. I know him. It's fine." You know. And on they go.
2: I mean, those, those Israelis are pretty good at that accounting stuff anyway, so I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure he knew what he was doing. I'm sure he Mossad. Yeah. Fucking hell. <coughs>
4: um,
1: yeah, I, I remember when I turned 18, it was like, you, you play the pokies a little bit, and then I remember instantly just going, this is shit. Like,
2: yeah.
1: I've got video games at home. They're way better than this. Yeah. Sure, they don't pay out, but neither do these bastards. Yeah. But then, you're right, it's, it's always been a social thing, gambling, for us, because I, I still remember that, like, that time we had 10 bucks on... Uh, it was Collingwood versus Western Bulldogs, the third quarter being the highest scoring th- quarter. Yeah. I've never enjoyed a
2: game more. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. A game
1: that meant absolutely nothing. For the first two quarters, we're cheering for the defences.
2: Yeah. It's amazing how much a bet can make you interested in a sport, too. It fucking works. a lot of times that's the only thing got us through night shift on the weekends was betting on like Premier League or betting on golf, just yeah. dollar bets or whatever. But if you had a cool pit boss, and everyone, of course everyone's a gambler, yep. they'd have like the Ladbrokes app or whatever app, so you tell them, yeah, just chuck two bucks on this for me, or he makes make so many shots in this hole. as so you sit there just betting on, on the sports, just hoping you don't get a player, because then you've got to actually do your job.
3: <laughs> Whenever I go to live football, soccer to you guys, um, if there's four or five of us, we all chip in a tenner, yep. yep. and the person at the, uh, uh, on the right-hand side or the left-hand side, wherever you start it, holds on to all the, the, the combined money, yep. tenners yep. from everybody, Every time there's a corner, the money passes to the next person. Right. And the money passes to the next person. And you do the same at rugby, um, rugby union, not rugby league, yep. um, with line-outs. Right. So I've been at an England-Scotland international for um, rugby, and Scotland are getting smashed. I was going to say, so which team are you going for? I was born to Scotland. <laughs> Scotland are typically getting smashed, and it's five minutes to go, and you're in your own 22, and Scotland have got the ball. And I'm, sitting there, I'm standing there screaming... Kick it out! Kick it out! Because <laughs> I needed one more out to win the running, and everyone's around me going, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs>
2: oh, it's like adult musical chairs. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah it's pretty much. Spin it. It, it forces you to stay there
3: to the end as well, <laughs> yeah, even when true. you get smashed. There's no early <laughs> leaving. No <Yeah>. leaving early.
2: <laughs> and you'll be that one supporter that stokes your team, yeah. even if your team's losing.
3: The, the thing that really ruins you from doing it from a soccer game is the uh, next morning you get up and you get the paper and you always read the, the the reports from a game you've been at with a little bit more interest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's got all the stats and it says um, you know, Liverpool corners eight, Chelsea corners... Six and you go fourteen corners. One, two. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I should have had that. Man, I missed one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that how it goes? If you're off in the toilet and you yeah, miss a corner, yeah. that never happened
2: yeah, well, well, what are you talking about? Doug? Actually, that seems like it should be fair and in the rules. If if you're not there, you're on the toilet yeah, or getting yeah. a beer, then it, it skips over you. Yeah, it it just, passes by. Yeah, it just yeah. adds to the excitement of it. you will be you will be busting for a piss, but in that game, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> or someone in front of you is going to be wondering why they got a wet back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> happened more than once. It's almost like. The, the the gambling in Thai kickboxing the Muay Thai where it's all set up just for they can they can gamble in the yeah. in the stands or something like that where it's crazy you know actually people in the stands act as bookies and they better amongst themselves it's mm-hmm. not anything to do with interest in the boxing it's all about gambling um, well let's go check that out one day, actually I was
1: going say in nation country wow <laughs> yeah who
2: would have thought who would have thought and it's illegal too but
1: <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed going yeah.
3: to the Muay Thai in Thailand a couple of times because you pay um, extra money so for a total of about $3.50 you get to sit in the second-hand second-hand sofa at ringside. Oh, so really? It's really, quite comfortable. <laughs> That'll be the all right. A t- couple of times I dozed off. I didn't think I did that well. <laughs> I've
1: always wondered about because I've been to Thailand once, but some people warned us and said, "Oh yeah, there's some some of the fights. You know, they're they're set up and staged and stuff like that." But I thought, well, if I can't tell, I don't yeah. care. What do I
3: care? The, uh, the ones in Phuket, I think, were supposed to be it's supposed to be the second biggest in Thailand after the one in Bangkok. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there's, there's ten, maybe ten. 12 fights, and it always starts off with a couple of seven-year-olds, um, and, <laughs> and then we'll go up, go up to weights and teenagers, and then there'll be some women fighting, or we'll go up through the weights and finishes with a heavyweight. Uh, at some point in there, there'll be an Aussie, and you go, oh, this will be interesting, and they normally equip themselves really well. I was going to say The seven, seven-year-old comes out on top in the end, but... Um, <laughs> 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 I was going to say
1: I have seen professional wrestling matches with grown men versus 9 year old girls or something like that. And, yeah. and the 9 year old girl goes over but you know that's, that's Japan <laughs> say, there's, there's
2: one way to work off a drug debt <laughs> it's a losing <laughs> side of a, a Muay Thai fight on top of
1: that I have seen in Japanese wrestling in one of the highest ones a guy lose to a blow up doll <laughs> what? Yeah. put on a good match though I'll tell you what <laughs>
2: I remember um, they started doing Baccarat tournaments at Crown, like, for getting back into them.
1: Yeah, I've heard of those in in Vegas, people talk about it. It's just basically who's ahead at the end of the time, really, isn't
2: it? Yeah, well, they use, like, tournament chips, and um, they'll give you there'll certain rules, like, you can have two blind bets per per um, whatever shoe or whatever it is. They might play half a shoe. So that way, if you're ahead, you can just match the bet of a second, and you're never going to lose, kind of thing, you know what I mean? So if you do blind bets, that way, there's actually some sort of strategy coming into it but the thing is a lot of the players will win more at a normal table than they will for what the total of the tournament is yep. so people will sign up and be like yeah that sounds like a great idea but then they're on a streak at their table so trying to get them off their table at the tournament <laughs> yeah.
1: is it's fun, completely
2: that? kind of against what you're trying to do there anyway yeah. but the funny thing was that the first winner they had was this Thai bloke and um, obviously the first tournament they want to make a big song and dance about it so yep. they've got this whole thing set up a little stage made a trophy for him and shit Got a big check that he can take. And so they're awarding him with this with this uh, big check, but I think he took actual chips. Yep. Obviously they want to give you chips. And so they're trying to get like, all right, so we're gonna give you a trophy and we'll take a photo and whatnot. And so they give him the money, they go to give him the trophy, and all of a sudden he just turns around and fucking bolts and he's gone. He's out of there. Everyone's like, What the fuck's going on here? So he's ruined their ability to promote their event, yeah. to get photos of it and say, This is our winner.
3: Oh, it's Dan Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> So
2: he, the next week, he, he comes in and they're like, dude, what happened? He's like, No, not my fucking girlfriend and know I'm gambling. What are you talking about? <laughs> so he's like, I can't go home with a big trophy saying Baccarat champion when I'm not supposed to be gambling. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so he's left the check there, left the, left the trophy, and just got his money and fucked off. Pretty much exactly what Dan Coleman did after winning one drop.
2: Yeah.
1: There you go. <coughs> my next question was, who was Dan Coleman?
3: So Dan Coleman won one drop and refused to promote it, felt that, um, poker shouldn't be promoted. You know, he's just picked up eighteen million or whatever, um, and didn't want. To pre- he softened subsequently, but at right. the time it was um, um, a very disappointing winner for anyone related to the marketing department. Yeah, yeah. Which That's I mean, true. you win some, you lose some,
2: don't you? Can say, tell
3: you your like,
1: do you remember the Wizard Home Loans Cup, which used to be the
3: which yeah. yeah. JTL and everything else? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the
1: previous um, one year, St Kilda won it. And Grant the Year Thomas. I arrived in Australia, was it? Oh, really? and the reason you picked St Kilda for your team for to start with. A year <laughs> it's like, you're sitting next to Brenton. He yeah. changed teams a lot.
2: I've gone, I've gone around a few, but
1: that was the one. Grant Thomas and Lenny Hayes was the captain, right. and they held up the cup, and they looked like they were at a funeral. Yeah, like they just did not give a shit yeah. at all for the yeah. preseason. Yeah. I
2: think they did shoot the next season anyway as well, because uh, it was sort of, no, of.
3: Did they not win the first ten games or something the next year? Was I, it? I can't remember or that I can't year. Remember. I, uh, remember I probably year was actually.
2: Yeah. I remember there was like a period where Brisbane won the. Or no, the it was Carlton. Carlton won it
1: three yeah.
3: years running and then picked, followed it up with a wooden spoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the Bulldogs so, might on the same thing or something like that. They it won one like year,
1: a one year curse. they had Acker. I remember he won it. Ah, that's that, right. that might have been the last year where they actually had a tournament.
2: Yeah, that's right. Now yeah. they just do random games, don't
1: yeah. they? Yeah. It's nothing and they're going to get rid of it. Um, yeah, uh, so when it comes to gratuity, Gratuities, Yes. Yeah. So we talked about uh, comping players and stuff like that. But yeah. obviously in Australia, the rules are you can't give tips. Yeah. How far have people gone to give you tips?
2: Um, not far enough, obviously. <laughs> not, not that far. Not that far. Like, the funny thing is is that um, there's a general, not a rule, but it's general courtesy that if you go sell on the Royal Flush on Caribbean Stud Poker, right. that they'll give you 10%. Like, every single player will say, yeah, hey, no, give me Royal Flush, I'll give you 10%. Haven't seen it happen yet. Yeah. Haven't seen it happen yet. <laughs> so you get people that well, like it'll cost you your job, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if I mean, if you told them, but you know, yeah. what I mean, do you, have to, you have to piss off some some people to do that because. Well,
1: hang on, then if it cost you your job. How big can the jackpots get? Because um, a wise man once told me, if you're going to rip off the company, make sure it's enough to live on for the rest of your life.
3: En- enough to change your life.
2: Yeah. Change your life. what's yeah. up It has to be enough. To change Sorry, Dunces. I exactly. did to misquote you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, generally, the biggest one I saw was over a mil, but I gave one 100. away at like four twenty. Yep. I don't get shit.
3: Lady's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll give you 10%. And I
2: actually gave her the real flush.
3: Nah, nothing. <laughs> if you were playing in Vegas and hit a score for half a million, how much would you give the dealer like there 10%. <laughs> would You You would give
2: it 50k? I would only because I'd be on the other side of the table. Yeah. But I would completely understand if someone gave him like five grand or something like that, like one yeah. percent, you know what I mean? And that's great for a deal anyway. You know? Sure. So, yeah. yeah. If it's that big, I'd say 1% for someone who's just a general gambler would be acceptable. But as a dealer, I'd give them 10% because that's what yeah. we always promised anyway. You know what I mean? I what don't know. it I don't know. I,
1: it, it'd be a 1,000 absolute minimum. But w- I don't know if I'd go higher. I, I would find somebody around who I trusted, which is narrowing it down, yeah. who knows, look, what's, what's standard? Yeah. And if they said, look, 10% standard, I'd be like, all right. 50 grand.
3: I absolutely don't think 10% is standard, but it's the type of thing that you say out loud and probably get flamed for. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say 2 to 3% might be more standard. Yeah, yeah. For the, especially for that amount
2: of money as well. Um. But, uh, and
1: it goes back to who the dealer is as well. I mean, if you're having a good time and everything, it might be, you
3: know
4: what,
1: fuck it. Yeah. And, and if it's given to you in chips, yeah. I'll be, I be—I can see myself going,
3: that's that thing. So yeah. I can yeah. assure you as an Australian, if you're playing in the States, it would not be given to you as chips because 30% of it you're never going to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So I
1: remember there was a few uh, Australian poker players that had dual passports right? and they'd uh, show the other one.
3: So I have dual passports now. Yeah, doesn't matter. Really? Um, really? They w- if you're trying to um, prove um, nationality on a, where there's a tax, a typical tax agreement, yep. they want proof of tax residency rather than tr- proof of nationality. There yeah. we go. So right. I'm shit out of luck. That said, if I made the November 9, for yeah. example, I pay that um, and I had three months to, uh, before you reconvened <laughs> for the final table, I'd emigrate back to the UK. <laughs> <that time. Yeah. laughs> well,
1: because it's literally, a, a, what, it's going to cost you 300, 400 grand?
3: Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Well, th- if, if, you know, say, say you came second for 5 million bucks, yep. 30% of 5 million is 1.5 million in tax. Yeah. Um, I'm fucking emigrating. Yeah. yeah. I, I, know, mean, I love living it, in Australia, but not that much. It, so. Even if
1: you come ninth. It's a million
3: yeah. bucks. Yeah, it's yeah, still... 300K. 300K. Yeah. Starting a business in Panama. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking of that, there's uh, a couple of stories about bad beat jackpots. So the um, other than the, the big rooms in Vegas, uh, most of them carry bad beat jackpots or some yep. other type of promotion. And the bad beat jackpots are normally around the aces full of tens getting beaten. Yep. Yeah. And I remember reading this story of um, um, uh, a young... Hoodie wearing, sunglasses, headphones, poker player um, at a table, being a bit of an obnoxious prick. And him in a, him and a um, middle-aged lady, fairly well to do, get into a hand. Um, and he's been an absolute arse all night. And they get into this hand, and it gets down to the river. And there's a raise and a re-raise. It's a paired board. There's a straight flush out there, and it's looking fairly obvious that that bad beat's going to be hit. Um, and she bet something like, I don't know, two hundred bucks on the river and he jams all in for three hundred and he's physically shaking. Everyone everyone's saying to him, Is it a bad beat jackpot? Is it a bad beat jackpot? Have you got quads? And he's like, Yeah, wink wink, I've got quads. I hope she <laughs> I hope she's got the straight flush. Um, because if he's if he's on the receiving end of the bad, but he, gets 50, he, he, gets he gets 50%, sleep. she gets 25%, and the other 25% is a table share. Ah, oh, nice. And she was really pissed off with him at this stage, so she showed a straight flush and folded. Yeah. Oh! oh that's, damn! That's, there, that's cold. That's oh. really cold. Because that's... Look. That taught him. That taught him. <laughs> that. Yeah, no. Jesus Christ. She, she could afford to wave that goodbye and knew it would hurt him yeah. a lot more. Yeah.
1: Wow. So, she's saying goodbye to a couple of grand just to yep. send a fucking message.
3: Yep.
2: Hell hath no fury. <laughs> <laughs>
3: like, like a middle-aged well-to-do woman
2: scorned.
4: Because
1: <laughs> I can tell you right now, if that was me in her shoes, I'd be, turning my, uh, I'd be giving the money, turning it over and saying, yep, well done champ. Yep. We're taking this money. We're friends now. <laughs>
3: yeah, i would be like, we're getting shit. <laughs> Your shot, go. bitch. Let's go to the bar. <laughs> the, other, the other bad beat I saw, and I only read about this morning on 2 Plus 2, it was a photo over the final hand and the board was Ace of Hearts um Ace of spades, queen of spades, queen of diamonds, jack of spades. Somebody had the king, ten of spades for Royal flush. Yep, yep. Somebody had pocket aces for quads. Ooh. And somebody had pocket queens for quads. Okay. Damn. So the person that's got quad queens has come third, not second, and therefore doesn't get any of the bad oh. beat jackpot, despite being bad beat with quad queens. God damn. The, <laughs> it's the, first loser, the first loser got the 50%. The royal flush got twenty five percent, and the quad queens just gets the same as everybody else.
1: You just sitting there looking at everyone going, "I'm,
3: I'm, I'm here too. <laughs> Didn't I get beat up enough?" So that's like, a really bad. That is, it's yeah. a bit
1: like uh, Robert Varconi. Is that his
3: name? Yeah, that came second to. <clears throat> no, the guy who won. Oh, won it in oh three.
1: The year before Moneymaker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he, he so he's a World Series champion
3: and who is he yeah exactly <laughs> he know. has
1: to show his ID when he gets into the room he's like my photo is on the wall but fair enough
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he so. didn't get a bad beat though uh, No, it, I mean, he's still done right. if you can win right. the, ma- the main event in the World Series and remain fairly anonymous yeah that's a fantastic result
1: well yeah. I'd argue that the last few years um, they are still like you know, the poker, you know, the the outside um, celebrity of it has yeah. sort of come back a little absolutely. bit. Absolutely, yeah,
3: absolutely waned. Um, um. With the likes of Merson's been not uh, nice enough guy, but just the the status that they have outside of poker is probably yeah. not as much. Well, we probably see it a lot less not being in America as well. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah probably that. I think the talent pool is a bit more sort of uh, bigger these days. Like people are generally getting to a level where you can have. 10 different winners in a tournament that you have never heard of before kind of thing yeah. you know what I mean to sort of get to that stage where you can't know that many people yeah I agree well I, I agree. mean
1: it's, it's that too it's, you know the increased pool size just means it's been diluted more because I think yeah. the last four final tables going in there's been like three bracelet holders
3: already yeah yeah. yeah. and there's yeah. very few bracelet holders people uh, well, main event winners that have won bracelets since but, I think Joe Carter yeah. was the first one fairly recently yeah. that was uh, had won the main event and then won a bracelet since yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I still remember um, was it maybe four years ago when Johnny Chan was on a roll man yeah. killing it then got yeah. changed tables pocket kings I think all in got done by aces I reckon it was so, yeah there was
3: Johnny Chan like and then there was JC Tran yeah. um, final table a couple of years ago and then Negrano, who uh, almost bubbled or finished 11th yeah. last yeah. year and missed the final table And it, no. it would have been good for poker for one of the big names yep. to to be yeah. there for November
2: yep. yeah I think to me, like, I'm over tournaments, I'm more interested in this, the high stakes cash games, and that's always been where the most fun is. It really pissed me off when they stopped allowing the side bets and the table talk on, on it high stakes. On it. High it was stakes a
3: Sorry, I thought it was a massive distraction. Yeah, yeah. Um, I first knew season. what was going on.
1: Yeah, exactly. If they were actually telling you, this is what would be great. <laughs> yeah, um, you've got you know a Barry Greenstein to do a play by play of the side action.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. See, I would be more interested in watching that. I mean, the poker's good, but so much better shit happens at a poker table. Yeah. But yeah. if you've never been at a poker table, where you don't understand all the funny shit that happens outside of the actual play,
1: I'm not going to remember the name correctly. But there was some show that uh, Antonio Esfandari and Phil Lark had. Oh, yeah. I bet you. I, I bet you. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Pretty sure. Yeah. There you go. Um, was on some... the
3: YouTube show. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: I think even back in the day I think it might have even had like the Game Show Network had it or something okay. but some of the bets they had up were so convoluted and so staged it just felt awful yeah. but then occasionally you can see that they had the cameras on where they were bored and they're like let's do something Yeah. that was the best one the more yeah, natural exactly. one yeah and you're like, I, I don't care that you're off jousting in the middle of fucking medieval <laughs> times that it's obviously paid for promo yeah. but that little side bet to try and find somebody on
3: the corner that's excellent <laughs> yeah. that's brilliant
2: it was it last year when was it? Esfandiari had that bet where he was going to lunge for like 24 hours oh, yeah. or he something got, like that. He
3: ended up getting kicked, banned from the casino for a week or something because <laughs> he couldn't face lunging anymore, so he pissed in a bottle at the poker table. Oh, no shit. Yeah, it was, Damn. he was had to lunge everywhere for, I think it was 24 hours or something, with Bill Perkins, because Bill Perkins does yeah. most of these pop bets. Yeah. And I think Esfandiari was in so much pain, he just said, no, no, I need to piss, but I'm going to piss in a water bottle. Might have been at the at the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure or something um, <laughs> He <laughs> uh, just couldn't face lunging anymore. In that much pain. So Bill is? Perkins has all these pop bets and ends up paying everybody a lot of money. Right, he did the yeah. same with um, Dan Bilzerian in riding from Vegas to uh, oh, yeah, v- Vegas right, to yeah. LA. Yeah. and Bilzerian got the um, the drag behind yeah, a yeah. truck and. Yeah, it he, it got, he trained with Lance Armstrong I'm Lynn. pretty sure
1: yeah, yeah, yeah Dan told the story on the Joe Rogan podcast yeah it was, a, right. it was brilliant yeah and it was, it was really it.
2: funny actually yeah he said he got Lance Armstrong to get on board and start training and shit like that but yeah did the Amarillo Slim like approach yeah. to, to prop, to prop betting oh his there. prop bets are awesome aren't yeah. Man? Yeah. Had, they are classic
1: yeah, I read his book and uh, I don't care how much the stories have um, been embellished over time yeah still good stories
3: yeah they're good stories just shame he used to abuse his children did he really uh, I think, so, I think yeah. he got off with that one
1: yeah, eh? I think he got away. I uh, got go away with it. Yeah, not exactly. got away. I think he got <laughs> cleared. I'm not sure. Anyway,
3: it's a stigma that's so <coughs> difficult to shake once you've been. It. It. Exactly. Yeah, once you've been yeah.
1: charged. Oh, you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Apparently, I'm um, talking about the massive fields at um, World Series No yeah. Limit events. When I go in June this year, I'm going to play a Do Seven Triple Draw yeah. um, rather than play No yep. Limit Event yeah um last year I had hundred and twenty four entries for fifteen hundred d seven yep. um yep. but if we, if you're back to wanting to play against the best players I'm going to find them in a d seven triple draw rather than you know local heroes and hoodie yep. wear and internet wonder kids playing yep. t- playing no limit hold 'em
2: yeah I suppose, especially like being in Australia where you don't get to go that often to Vegas, it, it must be like sort of a learning experience over a long period of time to really get sort of the, the gist of what's going on, sort of where you're going to play, where you get your best chances. Yeah, and also weigh that against, like surely you can see like uh, how much you're improved over that year when you go back for the World Series every year. Like do you notice how far you're getting or what your, your players compared to everyone else or is it constantly changing?
3: Uh, I think a lot varies table to table and obviously at low stakes there's a massive player pull. Yeah. What is apparent is, because I think I've made a dozen or so trips to Vegas, what is apparent is um, your game's good enough to earn some money yeah. um, from a cash game perspective, but tournaments are just such high variance. It is purely yeah. shot-taking. Yeah. Um, but I've I obviously tracked track my results and so on. Um, and once the kids have left home, the chance I will probably go and spend a year in Vegas. Nice. Um, and... We'll give it a go Just, to to yeah. make a living out of it for twelve months. Yeah, yeah. Um. So last three years over, um, from cash games playing two five mainly in the large area, sort of averaging averaging about forty four forty five dollars. Yeah. Um. And the one thing that I know would improve living there, is my ability at table selecting because I would know who all the pros are.
2: Right. Now yeah. I don't
3: recognize them or I recognize some of them. And I know if I'm on a good table or a bad table after an hour or after an hour and a half yeah, yeah. as opposed to uh, I'd know if I was on a good table after two minutes or yeah. wouldn't uh, sit down at and a When bad you say table.
1: pros, you don't mean the guys that have got four bracelets. You mean no, the guys no. that are playing four nights, five nights yeah. a week. I
3: mean the guys that are grinding a living. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, they're just uh, ruined tourist lives, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's like they were saying they're not necessarily
2: playing against each other.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... You don't. Was it the nature channel doesn't show sharks eating sharks? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Joey Kanish. Uh, yeah, that's Joey who you're looking Kimmish. for. Yeah, <laughs> everyone needs a Kanish.
1: Everyone needs a Kanish. <laughs> is it true? you're going to name your uh, your store Kanishes
2: at one stage? At one stage, it was. Yeah, yeah, that would have been
3: awesome. Yeah,
2: <laughs> got got a. Uh, over, went over your head that one? Like, uh, it wasn't your choice?
3: Uh, I got vetoed, yeah. yeah. Didn't, mean a, didn't mean anything to anybody but me. That's the downside of having business, business partners.
1: So uh, many suggestions that I have that are like that.
2: If it was close to the South Bank, you probably had a better chance there, because you could have driven a through the poker rooms. Yeah, <laughs> you could have. Oh, so you busto yeah? I got a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a slice of bagels. But
3: right now, those, those bustos work in schnitz like, at the ground there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Three o'clock
2: in the morning. Yeah, we'll just chill out with blowjob Johnny. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> hey uh, you were telling us before or you were telling me before or i read before club 23 club you, 23 now were you working at crown when that opened because that is yeah. that Warnie's venture or it's just his and name he
2: certainly has a piece of it yeah well, he has a he lot be, of him it. and james packer went in with it um it was pretty much Warnie wanted to do something with packer i think they might have tried a cigar bar or something downstairs i
3: think i might still be going Fidel. sure. Fidel's sure yeah. so fidel's closed when the aussie government changed the all about smoking you're right right um
2: it must have been at that point when they will open up Club 23. It's I know a good name for a cigar bar. Fidel's. Yeah, 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 it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sweet, isn't it? Yeah, especially now you get them legally, so yeah. <laughs> they're probably more legitimate. But um, yeah, so he had a venture there. I don't know why. I guess they wanted to do something and put it in there. But um, it was just pretty much an exclusive club. But he had uh, direct access from Mahogany as well. So he yep. had like maybe five gaming tables up there. I think it was like two roulettes, two blackjacks and a, and a Baccarat if they wanted to have it on there. Um, but it was pretty much just a bit of a, a wank, really, for rich people to go up there, and or rich people who, you know, wanted to try and some young girls <laughs> right, or yeah. get some get uh, some young girls looking for sugar days or whatever. But the funny thing was is that on the when you walk in there, you have this little corridor kind of kind of thing, and on the left-hand side there's like a little function area or a function room where it's got a sliding doors so you can close off. But in the middle, it's got this huge thing that we just named the Coke table. Right. Literally, Literally, was this huge mirror top table that was oval shaped <laughs> with like. Uh, diamenti's around the outside um, had like six permanent seats there, so you couldn't move the stools, they were stuck there. Right, and this big fucking crystal bowl right in the middle of it. We're looking at it going, That is definitely a coattail, like, there's no nothing else you would use that for. No. Like, it's not like you'd put ice in that in that bucket and put champagne it's in there. It's fondue table, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it always closed, funny enough. So, I have no idea to this day what was going on in, in that room, but holy fuck, look at a lot of fun to be in there. <laughs> it might have
1: been just a flag then. Yeah, no, it was there just as okay. Let's see who asked about it. Right, you asked. Okay.
2: Well, yeah, it could have been as well, but you'd always see like some of the fans were going there. Like I remember dealing to One Direction in there, and that was the craziest <laughs> table ever because I had no idea who they were, where they were. It was just I knew that I was on a roulette table. The thing is, I liked dealing up there because no one would usually play, unless you get some people from mahogany who were just sick of playing high stakes downstairs and they come up there and play the ten dollar blackjack or something. Right. But um, it was good because you could sit there at a roulette table, do fuck all, and I just shuffle chips and try and check out the girls running around or something like that. And all I knew was that every time this fucking little dude come to my table, my table would be packed. Like, I'll get slammed. I'm like, this is ruining my night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to do my job now. And then I didn't realize until supervisors started coming up from downstairs. Like, and they're, like, they're supervising me. And I'm like, this is a low limit $10 roulette table. And I've yeah. got three supervisors. Like, what's going on here? And then one leads over. Like, that's so and so from One Direction. I'm like, oh, really? Like these. So they were trying to get photos for their kids and shit, whatever. Yeah. But then I went to the next table and I had Jennifer Hawkins sitting down. I was like, "All right, now, now, <laughs> now, I'll, now I'll, I'll, I'll deal. Get, this is good. This, this is, is my good, wheelhouse." Yeah.
3: She was what, One Direction gorgeous. don't get this rock and roll luck. So I spent four minute, four minutes felt like four minutes, four years in the music industry. Yep. Freddie Mercury famously had his parties where he would hire a midget to walk <laughs> to walk around the party with a bowl of cocaine on their head, <laughs> so nobody had to stoop too low. <laughs> <laughs> I like how
1: normally when telling a story like that, you'd have to say allegedly, but with Freddie, everyone goes,
3: "Yeah, that sounds yeah, exactly. right." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who's, who's going to see you? Is state <laughs> yeah exactly right
1: Sasha Baron Cohen
2: yeah but it was funny The supervisors would you'd be able to get I remember what a pit boss his name was the champ because he was a champ but it went, went as far as that because he was so liked by the, the staff or the staff lower the deals and that but he wouldn't necessarily do what he was supposed to do in regards to what the business wanted him to do. Yeah. They tried to put out a memo saying that you weren't allowed to call him the champ anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, what's, what's that going to cover, really? What's that going to do for you? Like,
3: not much.
1: It's a bit like Tony Jones telling the footballers they can't call him chompers.
3: Yeah. Or, 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 like, or like the famous um, um, social media screenshot from a university lecturer called Mr. Hedgeho, yeah. H-E-D-G-E-H-O, and him him saying well people stop adding a G G to my surname sign Dr. Hedgehog, and someone's adding a G
2: (laughs) (laughs) but this guy would do things like when you're when you're a dealer they're really always overstaffed on purpose because their, their sick leave on a weekend is ridiculous because yeah. um, no one wants to work weekends. And especially if they don't give penalty rates on weekends, then you're more likely to call in sick even if you're feeling a bit under weather or if you want to go do something else. It's not going to hit your pay as, as much as what it would be if you get yeah, penalties. Yeah. And so what they'll do is they'll roster extra staff on just because they know there's going to be X amount of people that will call in sick. And um, it's usually like about 100 people. And so if, let's say, 60 people would, would call in sick... You can um, uh, ring up and put your name down on, it's called an annual leave list. So if there's X left over, then you'll have annual leave and they'll give you a day off with annual leave. Yep. But in, in the mahogany room, they'll always keep a few spare just in case tables open up or tables closed because it's less predictable than, than the main floor where you can say X amount of tables can be open for the whole shift, mm-hmm. whereas you're more uh, sort of to the single player's needs. Well, um,
1: in the mahogany room, it means more too.
2: Exactly. But then the, there'd be a threshold point where, let's say, if you're on a day shift by 6 p.m., if the player hasn't come and they've just got some spares and they'll, they'll send people home and that's called an early out. Yep. And so you can get to your shift uh, an hour before and there'll be a book there outside of the, the pit and you're writing your name down in, in there and then when it's time for them to get rid of some staff, they'll go to that list and, and send you home. And it's always on, the, on a sort of demand basis. But the champ... He didn't give a fuck. <laughs> he, he'd clear out the whole early out list like, as soon as he could, like 2, two p.m. <laughs> and so it comes to like 4 p.m. And he tells over, he's like, I don't have any dealers, so yeah, no, nope, can't do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, well, this is a high, a high roller player. So he's like, all right, we well, shut down the hundred little black Baccarat. That person, you're going upstairs to, to uh, deal the, the big games of Baccarat. <laughs> and obviously the, the shift boss, shift bosses and pit managers didn't, didn't like that too much. But he, he always consistently... Oh, when you first start out on, on a shift... You'll get divided up into uh, groups of four tables. I don't know if I explain it, but one person will be the swing dealer. Yeah. And so they'll go around giving everyone the breaks yep. and you'll just go back to your, your one table. And so generally you get a break every hour and 20 minutes if you've got four people in, in your swing. And that's like the maximum that, that you're supposed to do before you have a break. Um, and so the champ, he'd be doing the rosters and like lazy as fuck, just, just taking his time, getting everyone to the tables. He's come to me, yeah, Brenton, uh, take a 40 minute break, go get something to eat, mate, and uh, yeah, come back. I'm like, oh champ, I've got a four four person swing. So I don't give a fuck.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so they're
2: like, all right, so I'll go take forty minutes. And it's all right for the first three three deals they expect you to break to because they're getting the breaks, to well, what they think is on time. But I guess the last person, they're like breaks come and gone. And for a dealer, one minute part one second past yeah. your your time yeah. to take a break is like a big deal. Like you can't be doing that shit. You know what <laughs> I mean? You'll be there on time. On time is late, really. And um, so I'm, I go over to him like, yeah, I'm um, sorry. You know, so-and-so's on, on one table and he wants to swap to a blackjack because he doesn't like dealing on that uh, uh, roulette. Um, so-and-so's short for the break. And he goes, Brenton, I don't give a fuck, mate. Tell him to sort it out. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, sweet. So I go over there like, all right, uh, champ's on. He doesn't care. You've got to try and sort it out yourself. It's <laughs> 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 so like, what the fuck? They got to the point where um, they changed all the staff in, in Mahogany and they swapped, swapped the good staff out who knew what they were doing and got new staff in and didn't train it properly. Why? Uh, politics, mainly. Right. Um, trying to get control of the room and run it the way they want to do it. They want right. the old school people out who actually had the respect and knew how the room would run. Completely fucked up the room for a long, long time. Yep. But anyway, Chant was one of the only people who were, were old timers left up there. <laughs> and they realized that the only way they can get the staff back on board is to sort of run it how how he would run it, which is more, obviously, instead of having people um, flogging them to death and making them do those four-person swings, just give them six per- uh, three-person swings, and then they can take a longer break, and, and you can actually... Open and close tables and be able to fill in the roles by, by using those swings. So let's say in a table open, you can already fit them into a swing and make sure they're getting breaks because you've got a three person swing instead of a four person swing. Yeah. So they end up promoting him to pit boss, <laughs> just because that's the way that the, the casino should be run is actually doing what your staff want. No way you can do what your players want. Um, <coughs> so he was my favorite. He was an old school like Italian fella too. So he had that that uh, ability to tell stories and he was there from the old days. And he's still there. Run throwbacks. Yeah, he's still be there. Yeah, he's still yep. he used to be rocking out end up losing lots of weight but they're always my favourite people to be in a salon with because they sit there tell stories and then I can do shit like this and pass them on
1: yep (laughs) Um, yeah so so you reckon champ's still there were there any other supervisors like that that really like went out of their way for the for the deals
2: yeah uh, there were like a couple but um, they got moved on really quick because the 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 job is really easy you know what I mean so anyone can do it so you can be good at your job but then you get sort of a bullseye on your back where shit he's going to less of my chances of getting promoted or he might take my job and so people are really sort of mercenary in regards to getting a team that's not going to be any sort of threat to their position or or where they want to go kind of thing so it's really that's why i say
3: real long-term thinkers exactly Yeah. yeah yeah
2: and i mean when you're dealing in that sort of business there's it's pretty hard to make a decision that's going to fuck up that business that bad they're going to lose money because you're dealing with people who've got addiction problems and things like that so generally bad decisions will go unnoticed a lot more often than in a normal business. There would be incomparable sort of turnovers and things like that. Um, but the funny thing with the deal is the last break's a huge deal. So obviously, when, you're, when I was talking about you've you got a swing dealer who goes on a break first and then will come back 20 minutes later, give the table one a break, he'll go come back 20 minutes later, give table two a break. Um, it will work out that at the end of the shift, someone's going to get the last break. So at 20 to 8, they're going to be able to go 20 minutes early. Right. And the benefit that has is that you don't have to wait for the... Night nice shift has got a huge crew to come to your table and, and tap you off. And it's a difference of like five minutes. So it's really not a big deal. But, but the deal when, is, is when it, you're emerged in it. It's like jail where small things will <laughs> just blow themselves up into huge deals. And so last breaks are a huge deal. People will try and angle and scam it from the start. <laughs> and so a swing deal will figure out, you know, all right, so if I can do these breaks and then I can uh, pick up a table here and then I'll get last break for myself. And um, the fillos were the worst at it, man. <laughs> you, get a, you get a swing of fillos, you're like, ah, oh, fuck. man there goes my last break i got no chance and like to a tea, it was always you get shafted out of it over and over again but the worst one i have with this one dealer because uh, also when it comes to like 20 past seven everyone's all of a sudden due a, uh, 20 past six everyone's all of a sudden due a break because that right. means they get to do that hour 20 and then have last break yeah and so that's what the scam that of people pull but there's one dude he's come over to me and i was supposed to have last break and it's 20 to six i'm supposed to have it he's like oh sorry man like pit boss is throwing a table i've got to go pick up a roulette table which was around the corner in, in pit 28 so I couldn't see that table Yeah, and he's like yeah I'm not trying to fuck you I'm not trying to screw you but yeah pit boss is giving me this one and um, he's walked off to give that break and I'm like oh fair enough man thanks for coming and tell me yeah I appreciate it he's walked off and my supervisor who was pretty quiet dude he didn't say much the whole day he's just sitting there with his, arm, standing there with his arms crossed and he's gone up to me he's gone bullshit he's like this is bullshit I'm going to find out what's going on and it turns out that like, a lot of times when you had that old school crew, it would run so well because if you know that the, the manager going to look after you, then you'll do extra favors to look after them because you know it's going to come back and you're going to get yep. paid off for it. So, like, it would have been a few weeks before that. I did, like, work, like, three or four hours without a break because the person in the salon wanted me, I was doing good hands and he wanted me to stay there. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I knew the pit boss. She was, like, a good person. And so, on this day, she was actually trying to repay me the favor by giving me last break and getting me out of there. So, then yep. she set the swing, so I'll get last break. Like, for sure, hundred percent. And so. My supervisor's gone over to her and he's gone, um, this guy who's notorious for trying to steal and stitch people up for last break, he's come over and said this, Is this we right? And she's just gone, that motherfucker. <laughs> she comes over to me and she's like, told me, like, I was trying to give you last break because of the favor you gave me a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, he comes over to me and he said that he had to go in and, and throw in a break on the roulette over there. She's like, What? He doesn't even fucking deal roulette. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude comes over me to my face, like, sorry man, not trying to screw you, but I've got to throw in a break to a roulette and doesn't even deal with the game. I'm like how
0: did you plan to get away with this?
2: Like, how is this going to work? Because I've got to leave at some point, I'm going to see that you're not on that roulette table so you've gone somewhere and of course I'm going to ask, oh, where was this guy? Because you just fucked me. And so yeah, legit trying to lie to my face like that. I'm like, it's almost a sickness in itself.
1: Yeah. And I'm guessing no repercussions, it's just... Oh yeah,
2: you. uh, that, just, if you've got good pit bosses, next time, they'll put them in a swing and to the, to the, to the swing dealer... They were like, do not give this person last break under any circumstances. Yeah. Like, no way. If you can, make them sit on the table for the last hour and 20 minutes, hour and 40 minutes. If it comes to the point where he's going to get last break, you just go home. Because what are they going to do? that. are fucked, then. Yeah. And then they'll be pissed off. And he's like, well, I remember last week we needed this? Still not happy, though. Some people were just scammers from the, from the start. Where do all the dealers go on their break? Um, most of the time, you for a mahogany room, there's like uh, a little break room that's upstairs. So it's... um. You know uh, Whiteman Street in between yep. um, there. You know you got those overpasses where the walkways. Yep. If you look on like the far end, you'll see the walkway down the bottom, which is where the um, the uh, you can see yeah you can see customers going th- through that one. But the one on top is actually the staff like okay. that's the backup house, even though it's still the same sort of walkway. And along there where the you'll see Kingsway go through the building more or less. There's a little alcove there, which is actually the dealer's um, break room. So you can go there and smoke and do whatever. Um, but on the main area, main floor, you've got a couple of different break rooms and you've got uh, the main one where you've got IDs, which is uh, your kitchen, your staff kitchen, which is fucking horrible. It's terrible. But thought, it's food. Yeah, it's food, yeah, yeah, and it's free, obviously. Well, actually, I don't know if it was free. It might actually come out of our, our pay, whether we liked it or not. It's even worse because the thing with Crown is that they've got so many restaurants there and you'd think that, that they'd have like their, their academy or their, their trainees like whatever to go in there and they get free free experience and yeah. Crown gets something out of it, but instead they outsource it and just produce absolute
3: shit. So
1: outsource it and pay three bucks a meal. Exactly. Yeah.
3: And you don't as a as a dealer or an employee you don't get staff discount. No, nah,
2: no. Nah. the other restaurants? No. Uh, in the restaurants I think we do for for most of them that are in the Crown Promenade area, like along there before you get to Queen Street, I think you yep. get discount everything to there. Okay. Um, but we have a staff shop that's down the bottom of the car park. Um, if you enter on the on the Whiteman Street side and um, you would think with the staff, a staff shop it's going to be a pretty decent price they're not going to try and rip you off because yeah. you can also pay get paid deductions so you swipe your your ID card and it'll come out of your pay you don't have to pay yep. no cash yep. no nah, they'd rip you fucking blind <laughs> really <laughs> like, yeah crazy like shit was way more expensive than anywhere else but they knew that you couldn't be fucked going anywhere else or if you're in uniform if you want to go off the property you've got to get changed go out oh, and, you, you? and you can't do that in 20 minutes so you're trapped yep exactly yep. so they try and screw you there so you're pretty much getting screwed as much as, the, as much as the customers these days. I can't believe a casino would do that. I know, especially, <laughs> but that's the, other thing. the absence of competition mm-hmm. yeah, for, for exactly, customers
3: and employees, right?
2: That's exactly right, and that's how that's how they get to treat the staff just as bad as the, the players and, and get away with it. Um.
1: Um, so, you mentioned scams there yeah. before. Have you ever caught somebody cheating?
2: Yeah, uh, one of the easiest and here's the thing is that you can get away with cheating once. It's very easy, and it's because like I said before, a lot of dealers, most of them, can't be fucked dealing with the problems that come from it. For a little bit of amount, they're going to be like, eh, you know, give you a benefit of the doubt. This is what happened. Don't do it again, whatever, and, and fix it up. And that's fine. like That's generally what you're supposed to do.
1: So w- w- how? What, what are the usual cheat? Is it late bets?
2: There, there are late bets. One of the most clever ones is actually on, on roulette. It's called it's called a dirty stack bet. What you do is you get, uh, just say you've got two people and they're mates. You have one person go to the table uh, first, let's say... 10 minutes before the next guy he'll buy colour chips let's say he buys 100 bucks in colour um, he'll come down sit the table and for young kids especially who are good at this they never really keep their chips on a table they'll put them in their pockets because they've got no fucking idea what they're doing and so what you'll do is you get your mate he'll come maybe 10 minutes later he'll buy $100 in, in colour chips obviously a different colour so what you'll do is underneath the table you'll swap half a stack so let's say player 1's got blue and player 2's got orange the, the player who's who's player two will give him half orange and, and vice versa. Yep. So what happens is when they're placing bets on the on the layout, you know who's playing what color and whatnot. So that you say we associate whose bets are, are, are whose, and obviously you got to spin the ball and ring the bell and call normal bets yep. on that sort of stuff. What they'll do is that, let's say, um, player blue player, he'll put say four chips on twenty. Well, lo and behold, twenty yeah. comes up. As last bets are being called, the player who's got um, the half blue chips, half orange chips. He'll put blue chips on the bottom of his stack, and put, let's say, four orange chips on the top. Right. And when he sees the ball dropping number twenty, he will slam down his chips on top of it. So, well, I think that he's you just, just take down, off the orange, yeah. and the Blue stay. Yeah. So, I think he just put on four of his own chips. I didn't realize that he had four of the blue chips that were his mates underneath that. Right. And so, I'll just say, look, mate, nah it's after the bell, and you just throw them back to him. Yeah. And that's just generally a standard rule, and it happens quite often. people people nice late, late bets, and so that's sort of the benefit of the doubt, you people. Even if you know that he's doing that, he's doing something dodgy. That's yeah. what you do: you just throw it off, and no, you can't do that again. So that's the easiest way to be able to cheat and get away with it. But you can only do it once. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're going to start going, all right. And what happens? The casino will pick up on it, but they won't They won't get you straight away. They'll wait until you pass that threshold where they can really fuck you. Right. And then they'll pick you up and be like, we've got all this evidence. And that way, you know, you're a really proper fucked now.
1: So essentially, they'll let them say, okay, you've done it four or five times. That means it's over a thousand bucks now. Yeah. It's right. Which
2: I'm guessing there's threshold. some sort of legislation it, relation as well. Must be. goes from yeah, know, exactly. a minor to a major or whatever. Because I can imagine, like, Seeing a get ripped off one hundred bucks isn't going to get be much of a concern to any sort of lawmaker or, or whatever, any sort of government regulator. But yeah. when it gets up to like you know a thousand or two thousand or something like that, because the other way with roulette is that most people don't realize that you've got color chips to obviously if everyone plays cash fives, you've got no idea who owns what. But just because it's a five dollar table doesn't mean that you have to your cash your color chips have to be worth five dollars. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's called a markup, so you can say oh, I want on fifty dollar color, and that means they'll give you a color chip, uh, color chips that are worth fifty dollars each as opposed to the normal ones. So what will happen is um, people will go and um, buy buy like a, a five dollar color and five dollar color, yeah. And then they'll come back the next week and they'll mark up their that same color at the same table to like fifty bucks. Yep. And then I'll bring those extra four chips out and um, put them across the table. What they don't realize is that we've got a, a, a number tree or color color chart. Yeah. Where at the start of every time you open up a roulette table, you have to mark down how much color is worth is in there. Yeah. And so when you mark up those chips, you actually have to count every single chip yep. that's in there before you mark up that colour. But a lot of dealers get lazy and they just won't bother. They'll just do a $50 colour and they'll put a $50 chip in the little um, tree where you, where you mark whose colour is, is what and they'll just hand them out. Uh, but um, most of the players don't realise this and they don't realise that just because you think you're getting away with it doesn't okay. mean like what you're doing doesn't look shifty as fuck because yeah. you haven't been at the table for long enough to realise what stands out. And so you'll see a player come down and he'll be like, uh, I just want the, the blue chips and then you'll give them the blue chips and he starts playing red. They're like, all right, no one buys color chips and plays red or plays outsides. Yeah. Like, that's just dumb as shit yeah. and dealers fucking hate it. And so already you're pissed off this dude. So you're like, all right, I know something's up here. And so they're the people that you'll be like just trying to take down. Because like, all right, you're trying to fuck with me now. If you just had to have done, it, done it and not bought color chips and not played outsides, probably would have been fine. But the fact that you're going to come here and play color and outsides, like, fuck you, man.
1: <laughs> so why do you hate people playing outsides? Why uh, why it's not,
2: that? not just the outsides. You play color and outsides because... Cash chips and outsides are easy to designate who's is who because right. there's generally not as many. And so, if you've got a big table, if someone's taking the color chips and only playing the outsides, it means that someone is going to have to play cash fives on the inside, which right. makes it really confusing to figure out who's is who.
4: Okay.
2: If there's no one at the table, then it's not a problem. But generally, your tables are pretty busy, so you need all your colors just for the insides. Yeah. So when they take it and all play the players outside, she's like, you motherfucker. Like pretty much, if anyone makes your job harder, then they're the enemy. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> they're the ones that you want to try and clean out. Yeah. What
3: about people taking a color from one table to another? So I know the chips have the table number on them. Yeah, but if you you can bury those inside a yeah. inside yeah. a stack.
2: Yeah, yeah, it happens happens quite often as well. That's another little little method that people will use. And the only way you'll spot it is, is um, when you see them the layout and you try and pick them up. But um, if they're put on the outsides, yeah, you have got no idea. And that happens yeah. quite a bit as well. Like pretty much on every table, you'll see chips from another table, and um, <clears throat> I mean the unofficial way that you fix that up is you deal will grab it and he'll be like oh shit I've dropped the chip and supervisor's like well I have to pick it up now I may as well go put it back on the right table because <laughs> 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 otherwise you've got to do it through the cage and get them to take that chip off the table take it back to the cage and then send it back out to the right table and makes that pain in the ass yeah which no one is happy with that so if you've got to get security over to do that they're like fuck you now yeah, you're the enemy
3: how many um, instances I always figured if I was going to cheat in a casino or steal any money from a casino I'd do it by adding blue tack to the bottom of a, um, a coloured cup, um, yep. so that you, you know, bang oh. somebody else's chips and pick, up, oh, pick yeah. up the top of their chips. No. Yeah, no, that's
2: not a bad idea actually. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen it before, but shit, I like that one. If someone can get back to us, give that one a go. Let's see <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> but yeah, people, like I actually have nothing against trying to rip off a casino. Like,
3: no, I'm not trying to, but I can't rip off a casino because it's in the well. I have to. Rip, ah, I'll, right. I'll probably have to rip but, off my neighbour at the blackjack table. Yeah, but you I'm just you
2: against play
1: poker dunks. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm against people who are so try trying to do it out. in a
2: completely obvious and unoriginal way. Like, if you can come up with a new way, I'm like, go for it, man. That's a great <laughs> idea. I want to see how this goes because I think there is that, like, that skill. I think that's a skill that you can get. You know what I mean? There is a. Uh, there's a risk and the odds are against you, but if you can beat those odds, then that's what the casino's there for. So you, makes you, a pull, skill you play, play the game. Yeah, exactly. You just, <laughs> you just make up your own casino games. But the funniest is always when, like, the easiest way to cheat is just grab money off the table and run. Yeah. And some people will try it. So if there's a big back game going, I think I might have told this one, people will pull their money together and they'll put it on there. Obviously, it wins, they'll keep it, but they'll designate one guy. I don't know if he gets paid or how it works out, how they decide it, but he's the runner. So he's the fastest dude and he's going to be, as soon as that last guy comes out, You've got to know what who wins, who loses. Because if you lose, he's got to snatch the money and just bolt. Right. <laughs> well,
3: someone did that in the Blagio a couple of years ago on a motorbike, didn't they? Oh, did really? Um, Damn. Famous table twelve at the Blagio poker room. Um, I think one of the some player had a heart attack, or a dealer had a heart attack, or Damn. something there. And also, someone came in with a motorbike helmet and robbed the robbed it. Um, and I think they changed all the chips in the casino for right. that, ah, that denomination. Yeah. yeah. Um, or you could do the one that happened in the Blagio last yesterday. Um, okay. I don't know if you. No, 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 not of course. Um, guy, three guys. Uh, one in a pig mask, to, <laughs> try, tried to rob the Rolex store, um, <laughs> but I don't think they made it. <laughs> no. A pig mask. Uh, I'm gonna
2: guess that like something similar has been tried before with wear a mask and rob a store.
1: Yeah, I, I then, think it happens. I, I reckon they're onto that one
2: every day. Yeah, they would have been safeguarding against that one. Um, the other way that, that was an innovative way I saw cheating was um. A popular way is wheel tracking on roulette. So you're looking at how the dealer spins, and it This is a skill. It takes a lot of time watching the roulette table to be able to guess where the ball is going to drop into a, a range of uh, one number and its neighbours. So one and two either side. Yeah. Um, and you
3: reckon that's uh, genuinely doable?
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. is. Yeah.
1: Uh, there's a famous story that the, I think they called it the guy that broke Monte Carlo. Uh, and it, it, this is decades ago, maybe even a hundred years. Yeah. But it did exactly that. He n- found out. Uh, the bias on the tables yeah, and noticed which table um, and which wheel it was and took Monte Carlo, like broke the casino. Yeah. But it might have even been 1800s, I'm talking yeah. about. It.
2: It's easy to stop because all you do is call no bets earlier and the way they have to readjust their yeah. sort of math and it comes more and more off because more variables. And it's not perfect. It's not that they hit it every time. But it definitely is a concern the casinos will actively try and prevent that happening. But one guy, they've changed the... Um, because you used to have sensors on the on the actual, not on the wheel, but on the rim of the wheel that would shoot down a little, um, I guess it's infrared or something, mm-hmm. and be able to tell where the ball was landed so the number can go through to the tree. Yep. And just so happens for these little uh, trackers, it had a little green light on the outside of it, and every time the ball go past, the green light would flash. And this guy figured out that when, when it's down to, he'd say about three revolutions to go, wherever that ball was when that light flashed, or wherever the number was when that light flashed, that's about where it would drop. Wow. And so he, he wow. knew that and he kept it to himself and was kept on betting and like really tried it out first to make sure it worked. And then he went to Crown. He was like a pretty big player too and he, he asked them if they could put Racetrack on their um, roulette layouts. And for people who don't know what Racetrack is, that's where... Yes, five,
3: yeah. it's five adjacents, isn't it? Yeah,
2: but in, in, in front of the dealer, they'll have the roulette wheel in sort of a, a racetrack shape and so what that means is that players can do call bets. So someone will say, I want five and neighbours, which means you put five and the two numbers either side. Right. Because obviously the wheel is not in order. The wheel is all mixed up. And so if you've got it right in front of you, it's an easy way to them having to put it all in the layout. But also, if you're a your wheel tracker, it makes it way, way easier to get yeah. your bets on in time. Because the the bet counts from the call, not from when you put it on the racetrack. Okay. That's why it's called a call bet. Yep. And so straight away, he, he just rigged it for himself. And, wow. And he cleaned them up for like a month until they realised what was going on. But he's not cheating. No, exactly, yeah no, so
3: Working the angles. It's yeah. like counting cards at blackjack. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's so all they, all they
2: did is they, they told him they made it so that, I don't know what legislation they, they can pull it through under, but he was only allowed to play a table minimum, and they got rid of the racetracks, and they made, no more bets being called five spins, or five spins or four, Yeah, uh, it's going to drop as opposed to the normal three. Uh, so that's what they on, but that sort of cheating I'm like I kind of respect that because you yeah. sat there and you've, you've worked it out you've figured out how you can work your angle and you've done it and it's actually worked out it's yeah, worked very it. good yeah so I've got no problem with that sort of cheating um, it's just the real obvious ones where people try and put a chip on like out of the corner and I remember one of my mates he was um, dealing like $10 Baccarat and the hardest thing for Baccarat is your shoes on your left hand side so you can't see the last box because it sort of hides behind there because Baccarat goes all the way around and um, my mate was dealing to these guys and you this dude kept on putting chips on the winning bet afterwards, just behind the box. And they were speaking beer, and they were sort of laughing. Yeah. And he knew what was going on. He was just sort of dealing away. And then after about 15 minutes or 20 minutes of him doing this, and like he would have made, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, they sort of started laughing. And um, he's gone, you know, I don't know what you're doing the whole time, but what you don't realise is that surveillance watching, there's waiting until you completely fuck yourself, then they come down and arrest you. <laughs> they weren't, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> he just want to think, ah, fuck it, I'll screw this dude. That dude bolted out of there quick as you, <laughs> yeah, quick as you can see. Yeah,
1: that's a tough bluff to call. Yeah,
2: exactly. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he's got deniability as well, because he can be like, ah, I didn't see it. So, you know, yeah, know, I care. There's no microphones in the cameras, so they can't really tell what you're saying. All you're going to see is, is the vision.
3: Someone was asking me that last night, but how much. Uh, can the cameras actually see a crown? How good are well, they? Well, here's and the thing. picking up microphones as well, is it just vision? Just vision. But here's the thing,
2: is that they they claim that they're really good, but I've seen some very, very fundamental mistakes that went to went to the camera that I knew were 100% wrong. Yeah. And there were ones that weren't in a situation where there'd be a PR payment. Like, let's say I was dealing with the big wheel once, and this dude put a camera of 47 to 1, and this dude's put a chip on 47 to 1 you know, afterwards. And I've seen it, but straight away you don't just, like you don't want to completely call him out for cheating so you go to the supervisor yeah. and say uh, you got to go to the cameras so that way there's yeah. no sort of confrontation it's all done legitimately and generally these people will just sort of saunder off you know what I mean yeah. and so this guy is starting to like sort of wait and he's getting his exit strategy together and the Savannah's ring down and go, nah legitimate bet I'm like <laughs> I know 100% that that wasn't a legitimate bet right. and also from because dealers are obviously as dodgy as the players and heaps of dealers get caught cheating all the time and I knew one guy who, who was stealing $5,000 chips and what he was doing was there was a roulette float and he was a supervisor so he's got a clipboard and obviously you're, you're keeping track of where your hundreds are going where your thousands are going all that sort of stuff he put the clipboard down on top of the chips while he's punching the numbers and as he picked the clipboard up he'd, he'd palm a, a $5,000 chip pick it up yep. and so the cameras can see that should be able to see that there's one less chip on the on the layout because the cameras aren't even that far away either Yeah. but they couldn't pick it up they couldn't discern that they knew he was stealing them because they could see from the tally what was coming in and out because obviously figure out how. Yeah, they couldn't figure out how so they could see that he's doing that and he just denied it flat out and never got charged with anything. Like they, they fired him, but he never got charged with it. So I'm like, the cameras can't be that good if he was stealing $5,000 okay. chips. Well,
1: the next question then is, how do
2: you know how he did it? Oh, well, because, well... <laughs> <laughs> he, and how long was your supervisor he, he, career? He had, <laughs> he had actually asked me if I could get my girlfriend to cash in some $5,000 chips right, at know. some point. And I'm like, why don't you get like your brother to um, put them in? Because the thing is, a lot of dealers will... Gamble while they're working because, especially the vets, they'll know the players there as well. So they grew up with them, or whatever. And the players will always say, "If you want to bet, man, just let me know. I'll put the bet on for you, and I'll just give you the money afterwards. And if it loses, you just pay me back." That's not uncommon at all. So a lot of players, gamblers, a lot of dealers will actually do that. Right. And so the point, the fact that he was asking me to cash a five or get my girlfriend to cash a five thousand chip wasn't that suspicious. But he'd actually ran it through me before about how easy it would be to steal chips off the right. of a roulette table, okay. doing this exact method. So, but he denied it to me that he did it. But I'm like, well. You, uh, you told me this, this this is not adding up at all.
1: It's kind of like, thanks for denying it. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. So, I mean, allegedly, he stole some chips. <laughs> but that was, like, one way you do it. There's been other guys who've been caught literally wearing pantyhoses and putting, like, chips down there. Really? Yeah, but that's why... Um, well, some casinos will mandate that you have to wear armbands on your sleeves. That's why you can't just palm, um, palm them down your down your sleeve and just right. drop them, you yeah. know what I mean? I,
1: that's that, oh, that old um, sort of... Uh, stereotype of, you know, the old gamblers with the, sorry, the old croupiers with the green visor and yeah. the, the armbands and I've always thought it was just part of the, you know, the yeah. the whole theatre of it all but no, that's the reason so they can't Ge- yeah, so so you so That's go.
3: why, like, our no, pockets, pockets are so shut. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so, so. W- when I was, uh, about four or five years ago playing at the MGM, um, my best mate who was uh, head of security for a supermarket company in the UK, yep. um, jet lagged, as all buggy playing some stupid table game at four o'clock in the morning. And his dealer was palming. And he pulled over the floor and said, this is what the dealer's doing. As yep. he collected the chips, he's holding one in his palm. And then he's mm. dropping it into pockets or whatever else. Just can't um, leave work at home. And they took, yeah. And he's well, he, he quite proud of it. And they took Mickey back. This is at the MGM. So it's the biggest casino floor space in Vegas. Okay. And he went back through the rooms, um, through the security doors, watched the video with them, said, right, what he's going to do now is this, that, and the other. Because obviously he knows what he's talking about. They reckon that was the first dealer they'd caught in three years. Wow. Really? and that's, that's the MGM so, you, so you're saying it happens all the time it
2: Then all the time yeah. like the surveillance watch staff just as much as they watch uh, yeah. dealers unless it's just Australians that are dodgy as fuck which I mean I wouldn't surprise me either but <laughs> um, generally to be a dealer there's got to be something a bit weird about you otherwise you don't stay in that role you know what I mean yeah. so it doesn't matter shit, how shit hours Yeah. no tips exactly yeah. dealing with, <laughs> with probably the worst side of humanity when it comes to um, respect yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean so there's really something a little bit off about you to start, with, start well, off with.
1: The players are losing. Exactly, that's, yeah. And nobody likes losing money.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, all the dealers realise that they're always winning so they can get a cut of that action as well. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, staff are always going to be as dodgy. And I mean, maybe he said that that was the first one they've caught in three years because they don't want to put that image out there that everyone's cheating. But I don't know, maybe legit. They've got better standards at, at um, sort of picking that up.
3: Well, that's shit to catch him. Yeah.
2: Because oh, also like MGM and the big casinos in America, you can't get a job there um, starting from scratch. Like to be a dealer in those casinos, you start off yeah. in the small casinos, and they'll go around as yeah, scout yeah, dealers on an
3: Indian reservation and yeah. On, yeah. On, a, on a
2: cruise boat, or like some little yeah, some little off off the strip yeah. uh, casino. It's, um, it's back like the top four entry.
1: clubs in the EPL. They don't they don't train their own <laughs> players; yeah. they just wait to make get good at own clubs yeah. and then buy. Yeah.
2: So that, that's the way you get to work as a dealer in those. So maybe their scouting methods are a bit more sort of tried and tested, okay. and their their quality of getting people into the places is a lot better. Like Crowns went down; they had an off the street, um, baccarat as a first game that. Dealt in mahogany, they were mahogany only. Baccarat off the street, which is fucking ridiculous. So, what does that mean? So, it means that there were brand new dealers. That oh, right, pretty much sure. first yeah, game, pretty much. And also, you never get baccarat as a first game because it's where all the high action is. Okay. So, generally, you'll get baccarat, yeah, uh, blackjack, or, or maybe roulette because that's where there's more roulette and baccarat tables for the general punter for like ten dollar tables than there are for or the other. ones. Casino war these days. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, casino war they don't pay Still you for you that, that game, so they'll give you them anyway. You get all yeah. the shit games like pontoon and casino war and big wheel and shit like that. So, so what they did is, yeah, they were, they were short on, on dealers in Mahogany. Well, mainly, Mahogany knew, well, their dealers the most experienced. They've been around for a long time. So they're always the ones that were more disgruntled because they were getting shafts more and more and more. So their genius idea was, all right, well, we, we can just send them down the main floor. We'll get a brand new people off the street, and teach them back right, and put them straight in the Mahogany Room. Which, I mean, maybe they can deal with the game, but when you're, being, when you're putting people into your VIP area as a customer you expect them to be getting the best service that your yeah, establishment establishing. it's not gives. just about playing yeah. the cards, it's exactly. about customer service. Yeah. Yeah. And what confidence are they going to have in your establishment if they've got someone first-hand they've ever dealt is in the mahogany room dealing mucker
3: Tearing up the cards and throwing yeah. them back in your face. Exactly. But, yeah. Fuck you! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how many, how many of those
2: deals are to stay? Not many of them, you know what I mean?
1: So, how you say you've got to be a little bit weird to, yeah. s- to stay there you were there for 10 years or, or the best part of yeah because yeah, it's yeah. very weird
3: how's
1: yeah. <laughs> the progression through from your first day into the high rollers room was it like oh god I want to be there that's where the most action is or it's just well that's where I'm told to go fuck it
2: um, at the start you're always nervous as fuck so you want to try and do the least amount of work possible because you've got no confidence and like there's yeah. one thing I still remember but that's every job yeah. Yeah. yeah but I still remember <laughs> the first the first hand because you go to your training and whatnot you'll be confident in the training because obviously nothing's at stake you're playing with fake yeah. chips. But I still remember going to my first table, which is a $10 blackjack on, on a Friday night. So it was pumping, 8 o'clock. Yep. Adelaide, I remember, Adelaide Casino. Yeah. I remember just walking to the table and, we were, and these people were just staring at me who were all pissed off because they're losing. I'm like, holy shit. Like This is actually people's money now. Yep. And like My hand was shaking, dealing the worst buckra, worst blackjack ever. But funny enough, one of the guys who was on that table remembered me because we had the same name. And a year later, he's like, I still remember your first hand of, of blackjack you ever dealt. And was like, that was literally my first hand ever. <laughs> like at the full stop He goes, Yeah, it's show, man. You're a fucking shit ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he's 100% right because you're so nervous. You're like, I just want to get through this and I want these people to leave so I don't have to do anything and I can just sort of acclimatize. And yep. like one or two players, it'll be perfect. But a packed table on a Friday night is not the first hand you want to be dealing with, of, of anything, really. So then from that point, you'll get confident dealing um, blackjacking. Like, all right, I can do this now. And then you're happy to do like the 50 or tables and big tables. But then you get bored because. You would one game for eight hours so you're like, fuck, I'm going to do something else yep. and generally your next game will be either Roulette or Baccarat um, but I was lucky in Adelaide Casino that they were a small casino so you got upskilled a lot quicker and for every major game you upskilled you get a pay rise as well up to a limit of three three games. Okay, So you want to be up- upskilling just to get the pay rise but also you don't want to be putting yourself out of your depth. Yeah. So I, I got Roulette and then I got Baccarat like three months later so I had a pretty quick progression through them. And once you got the three games it's it's heaps easier because you're actually more... Into what you're doing, you're not just dealing with that one game and it gets mundane and monotonous, and you're sort of your customer service suffers because you just can't be doing anymore. And also, you have a swing mixed up so that you might do uh baccarat for an hour, then you go into a blackjack table and then onto a roulette table. So, your night's always coming, you're always getting different customers, which yeah. always makes a huge difference because no one can getting mad at you for too long, yeah. you know what I mean? And generally, you have your players are generally one game players. Normally, people will go around and play everything. Generally, like one person that's blackjacks the game, one person baccarat the game, one person roulette's the game. But um, the best game to deal from a dealer perspective, like without customers, is roulette because it's the most most action for a dealer they have to do. Like the math is more, you actually have control of the ball and the spin and it's actually a fun game to deal. Okay. It's only the customers are unbearable. So that's what makes it the worst game to <laughs> it's deal. free fall. Yeah, it is. Like roulette is a special game because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a contact game and some people don't like being touched or anything like that. And it's the biggest sort of, area you can cheat because there's so much going on and it's that finality of the ball dropping and there's just chaos and then the results there and then there's that slow build up and then more chaos and it's that constant 30 seconds of chaos before you ring that bell that yeah. is just insane that's the hardest to be able to track what's going on um, make sure all the bets are legit because also you've got to go and figure out uh, some bets might be just on a split one might be uh, supposed to be a corner that's being pushed across because yep. people are putting chips everywhere and so you gotta, there's so much you've got to do so without players being cunts it's a great game so my favourite is always uh, three players on a a roulette table having a crack that's always good but the hardest part is once those players start doing well then your table gets slammed so also with a roulette there's it's one game that you've got sort of some hand in because they'll always teach you there's four different spins you've got um, a fast wheel and a fast spin so you'll always rotate from backhand to fronthand when you're spinning the ball so obviously spin them with your your hand in front of you then spin them with your hand back of you and they'll go opposite ways you always rotate, rotate that. And obviously that way you always rotate which way the wheel's going too. And so you've got four different spins, fast wheel, slow spin, slow wheel, fast spin, fast wheel, fast spin, slow wheel, slow spin. Right. And what that is, is when you get to a rot table, you, you'll practice those to see where generally it's landing, what sections it's landing, because you don't want your spin to be hitting one section all the time because that shows up in your number tree yeah. and then everyone just sees that you're hitting like a zero section and that will just flood your table. And as a dealer who can't take tips, like, you're getting What's paid the point? same if you're doing nothing or if you're doing something. Yeah. And for me, i like do nothing. <laughs> like that, that was my forte. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd always try to kill motherfuckers or out unless they were pretty cool. But if they were cool, you'd want to give them some money. So you'd try and not, not mix up your spin. So, so you're trying you, to do the same.
3: If you switch that around and say you'd been playing, uh, dealing where somewhere you're allowed to accept tips, yeah. what would you do differently?
2: Well, you'd start trying to try and hit the same, same area. So people start winning because they're going to give you some of their tips. But if people start being rude, then you'll start mixing up your spin so you can like really just flat, flat out hammer it and get it to jump around and, and cross sections. Yeah. But sometimes, luck is not with you and it's going to hit the same section no matter what. It's going to do some miracle bounce off of, off of you know, a little um, divider and then it's going to land in the same section all the time. There's nothing you can do about that. But they actually train you how to change your spin-up so that you take people's money and always teach you to give out as much color as you can because if people have got color in front of them, they want to put it out on, on the layout. Like I did a test in Adelaide that... Um, because uh, people were, were crazy in that they'd always put all their money out the table and then I'd be like alright I wonder what happens if I just let everyone put every chip they've got out on the table I wonder what happens then and so I did it I just waited it would have taken like maybe four or five minutes I waited <laughs> to they just kept
3: on putting chips out
2: they kept on put. they put all the chips out and then they started moving the chips around until they had <laughs> until they had every number covered and I was oh. like wow this is like that's the first time when I realised you guys are actually sick like, <laughs> you guys have a legit problem yeah. until like the one Indian dude who straight up bet on every single number every single number and I'm like dude uh, you know you can't win like doing that he's like shut up (laughs) <laughs> he's, he's, right, decen- dude. he's essentially
3: paying the roulette rake yeah that's exactly <laughs> what he's
2: doing yep, yep. so I'm like alright but the worst thing is it was in the night and when I shut my table I can go home so I've got this motherfucker who's got like two stacks of chips betting on every single number losing like two <laughs> chips at a time and I'm just like holy fuck this is going to take forever <laughs> so I'm like dude you know we got rapid roulette down there where you can actually just put your chips out and like press repeat repeat bet and it'll put it all on for you so you don't have to worry about all well, this messing around He's like, nah, I like putting the chips out. Like, Damn, motherfucker. It. <laughs> so they're the worst players because you can't ever clean them out. You can't ever, you know, they're never going to win. They're never going to lose much. They're just going to hang around, around and be annoying as shit. Just hanging around. And also, the good thing with Roulette is that you, you can be more passive aggressive because you can either ring the bell or you start calling normal bets a bit earlier yeah. or if, if, like, one chip's touching the corner when it's supposed to be a, a split and we're like, well, it pays where it lays. So if yep. that's touching there, whereas someone else would be like, nah, sorry all right, man, I'll push it across for you. Next time, make sure they're, they're in the right spot whatnot. not. But <laughs> no spins are awesome, man, because the rule is dangerous with no spins. What's like, no spins? A no spin is when you, you fuck up the spin. So it might not go around enough times. Like, it has to go around three times for it to be a legitimate spin. Oh, okay. Or sometimes okay. You'll, you'll spin it and it'll just fling out the wheel. <laughs> and then everyone's going everyone's to duck for cover, man. <laughs> so yeah, on um, on a roulette, the one thing you do is be more passive-aggressive because you've got a bit more leeway because it's more action games, so you you have to keep your table in, in line, otherwise you're fucked. Like yeah. You've got no chance of, of having control and then hell breaks loose and you get a group think with the players who are against you. Whereas, <laughs> whereas if you can sort of cut them down a little bit and make sure there's a rule and you're not going to sort of bend to that, then they'll tend to be better at self-regulating what they're doing and and generally be nicer.
1: Like kindergartners. Uh, literally,
2: sometimes it's, it's like an adult crèche. Yeah. Yeah. Kids can go to the movies or something and we'll look after the adults for you. Um, but I remember one guy, he was this Italian fellow, he was pretty hammered, but um, he was there with his, his wife and one of her friends and his wife was a lovely, like really, really nice lady. Like, she's sitting um, just behind the perspex uh, for the, of the roulette wheel and she's having a chat like, how's your night, Brent? And I'm like, oh, is going really good? She's like, oh, that's really good. So I was chatting to her while he's playing because he was just, you know, pretty morose dude and not really up for a chat. Losing a little bit of money, but he was just trying to big note himself around the people on the table. And um, I was thought, oh, well, I was just going to ignore him and, you know, chat to, yep. to the ladies and that'll be fine. And anyway, he's, I did one spin and it just rattled a little bit, but then it sort of corrected itself and it went around three times. And the thing is, I can grab the, the ball if I know it's not going to three times. But if I, if I know it's going to three times, I'm not allowed to just grab the ball and go, ah, no, i fuck that one up and do it again. Yep. Like, it has to be a legit spin and so I've looked at it I'm like it's gonna go around three times so I can't touch it and then he's gone spastic like oh my god that was the fucking shittest spin I've ever seen in my life he's like that's fucking bullshit mate And like no that's a no spin I'm like dude we went around three times like, it's not a yeah. no spin Like, it's a shit spin like, I'll give you that but yeah I'm sorry nothing I can do about it so apologise and whatnot and then next spin like, oh <laughs> shit he's like you fucking doing this on purpose or what, mate? I'm like, no, nah, dude, it's just like, it's just an accident, you know? And like, um, he's like, if you do that again, I'm going to throw a chip in the wheel. And his wife's like, don't listen to him, love. He's harmless. You're doing a great job. Like, you're a really nice guy. And I'm like, oh, thank you. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you taking his side? And so, so I up. next spin, I looked at him and went, <laughs> <laughs> and, like he's gone bright red, just giving it to me. And my supervisor was this little bitch called Cindy, and she comes over. It's like, to me, it's like, "Do you want? Do you want to change tables?" I'm like, "No, no, I'm, I'm staying here." And it, until he he would just realize that he can't get it. He can't. He can't be a cunt. And have me do what he wants me to do. So I took five other spins until I was just <laughs> no chip in the wheel. The fun's gone. All right, all right, you win, you win. <laughs> his wife's yeah yeah, he's got all right, all right. He realized there's nothing he'd do. Yep. And so he's like, all right, all right. So he just shut up, chatted to his wife, and then good spins back from there. Yeah, there. Yeah. But I mean, there always are some weirdos in there. I remember one dude, actually, yeah, roulette, roulette players are probably where you attract the weirdos because you've got so much space and they can hide behind that perspex and talk to you where you can't get away because you have to go back to your wheel and you have to go do your chip work and things like that. I had one guy in all earnest try and tell me that he discovered Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like he's like serious no I have and my supervisor's there as well and she's like well except that you haven't and he's like no I have on paper she's like, oh. <laughs> she's like well I'm a fucking billionaire on, on paper, paper? Yeah. and he's like yeah I just need 60 grand to be able to dig it up but no one here will give it to me and he's like uh, dude if I only took 60 grand you'd mortgage your house you'd do whatever yeah. it takes to dig up Atlantis <laughs> like you fucking weirdo uh,
3: another lady. <laughs> I always expect at a roulette table loads of people are going to be pickpocketing each other it yeah. must happen.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially when people leave their bag and stuff on the table. Like, when we did training, they'll actually show you um, footage of how people will cheat and things like that. And they actually showed us like how people will pickpocket while they're leaning over and um, leaving bags under the table and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's really... It's a, it's a dark little corner of a casino or a mm. table. Like, there's all sorts of dodgy shit going on. That's why... I, and it's because of that last minute chaos of, of the ball dropping and, and, and the finality of when bets can and can't be placed. You know what I mean? It's not a relaxing game. It's a full on intense, like high, high stress, high drama game. And that creates that, the chaos that's required to be able to cheat and do all sorts of shifty shit. Yeah. Um, unlike Baccarat, where it's a very sort of low paced game, um, everyone's got the time to think about what they're going to bet on and be sure in their bets and whatever. It's not like the bell's going like, ah, oh, I forgot 23. Like, it's always sort of a, a very structured game, Baccarat.
3: So when you get as a dealer in Australia, you've got your three games as you did: blackjack, roulette, and yep. Um, Does that mean you're not going to deal any other games? You're not going to move into doing craps and?
2: Generally, yeah. Generally, like they won't. Uh, generally, you won't do that because you're not going to get paid for it. So unless you're don't want to go up to supervisor or, or pit boss or anything like that, then um, you won't have to. But sometimes you'll get those games as a supervisor or, or a pit boss just so you can supervise them, and you will never actually dealt it, but you understand enough of, of the rules right. and be able to do that. But unless it's a small casino where you can actually get a lot more utility out of your, your dealers if they deal more games because there's less staff, so it's more beneficial to so be able to organize yeah. swings and things like that if dealers are multi-skilled. But, but generally, you'll do your three and then you'll try and go up to, to supervisor. But at Crown, like it'll take your best part of five years to get three games. So That's generally, like you get two and then try and go to supervisor to get the extra money and then get that third game just from being a supervisor not actually dealing.
3: Yep. And has every supervisor been a dealer?
2: Uh, yeah, yep. They'll never. I've never seen a supervisor hired from another casino. Like pit bosses, yeah, maybe. Uh, above that, definitely. But generally, dealers and supervisors uh, are considered the same thing, more or less, yeah. Because um, generally, there's not a whole lot of difference between the role. I mean, the dealer makes the supervisor's job because anything the supervisor has to do is look going through chips and um, tracking their float. And a good dealer will keep it all in order so that the supervisors know what they're doing. They just come up and just tap at the numbers and that's it. Supervisors, generally, you do fuck all. It's like the middle part where... The money isn't that, isn't that much greater. Like I think you get an extra twenty five dollars a shift as a as a dealer supervisor, um, but then as a salaried uh, full time supervisor, it's not a great deal. I think it's maybe sixty k or something like that.
3: So as a comparison, again with the states, it would almost discourage dealers from getting promoted because yeah. supervisors no are going to get less tips. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, and for me, like I just it looked boring as shit. Like just walking there, standing at a table, and you think I sit down. So I'm back right. you can sit down, <laughs> you can watch TV. Um, and especially since I was in like the high roll areas I didn't do much work anyway like most days I was walking around and, and got to got to do what I wanted so I was happy doing that I never wanted to be a supervisor because then I'd have to look after someone else's shitty mistakes <laughs> I'm like I know what I'm doing so I'm, I'm cool just just leave me alone I'm, I'm happy but they always keep trying to promote me um, but you know you, you don't get any of the experiences as, as a supervisor either like a dealer you're sort of on the front line so all the furniture happens and it's more interesting you know you're more active in what you're actually doing more um or interactive as well. Um, plus, you, you just meet all the funny characters. Because uh, supervisors would walk around, they would look at the four tables, and they would be, talk to waitresses mainly, whereas we would talk to players and find all the weirdos. I like, still remember this, this one lady, she literally had no fingers past the knuckles. Like, they were, they were all gone. Okay. Still figured out how to squeeze back rock cards. <laughs> it's like, lady, I think you need to learn your lesson. Like, you're done. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I did, never saw her in thongs, so maybe they're gone too. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Really, uh, really helped a ballet, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're saying that um, your, your goal in like, the high rollers room was to deal as little as you can. Mm-hmm. So with the salons, how does that work?
2: Um, so it used to be when I first started, a salon, if the player was in the state, that's well, salon. Just urban.
1: explain the, like, the room. So what's a salon compared to the mahogany room?
2: Oh, a salon will literally be a hotel room, more or less. It's being gutted and turned into a, a gambling area. So basically... You've got different levels of salons as well. So the high rollers, they'll be at the top of Crown Towers, which is divided up into one, two, three, about four salons. Um The two big ones on either end, which have the pretty much 180 degrees panor- panoramic view of either um, the ocean or back into the city.
1: And that's the fuck you money. Yeah, you that's the
2: that. fuck you money. And, and they'll have a little sort of dossier on them on what games they want to play and what the limits are. So that's how we will be set up before they walk in there on how they want it. So mostly for right table, for Baccarat players... They'll have three Baccarat tables in there, fully staffed, with a supervisor on each table, pit boss and, and dealers. And um, there'll be like a little lounge area, well, big lounge area. Yeah. There'll be TVs behind the Baccarat table. Pretty much, you can see a TV from every, every table, more yeah. or less. Um, there'll be like dining room as well and um, really shit art. Like the ones in, in Crown are really done in bad taste because like they, they obviously outsource to... Not,
3: not as bad as a pack of dogs sitting around playing poker, right? yeah i don't know that. i don't know
2: that would be a lot probably worth a lot more in the salons than any of the artwork they got in there <laughs> but um they they were done by designers who weren't gamblers so that was like this is great from a design pers- perspective but yeah. not at all what any of our clients wanted and even like our biggest player uh, mr x who we, we talked about before one of the salons that he had they had um when you walk straight into the door there's a little divider so you can't open the door and see what's going on and as that as the divider, it was just all these um metal circles, so maybe maybe about three inches uh, in diameter and just linked together so it looked like looked like handcuffs all put together. And he hated it, so he literally made them put a a, a sheet over it for the whole time he was there. Yeah. <laughs> so the designers come in and he's like "Oh yeah so how's the how's the thing going and he's looked at this sheet over his big feature little divider and he's going what's this about We fucking hates it that's why he's like oh really that's bullshit that's
1: why they call it fuck you money yeah
2: and even down the hallway it looks horrible it was a really bad bad design place
1: so I bet uh, dogs playing poker the painting how much do you reckon it's worth uh,
3: as, a, as the original piece of art yeah yeah. not, no
1: idea, not, but not but the $40 what? print uh, it sold two years ago for $590,000 I just thought I'd Google that, just have a look.
3: Wow. Yeah.
2: So it's nearly
1: 600k worth. Yeah,
2: okay. I was expecting a bit more, to be honest. Yeah, well,
1: it's a famous painting. I've heard of it. It must be famous. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's It's (laughs) probably not called Pack-A-Dog-Sittering. It's
1: called A -a 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 -a
3: -a 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 Bold Bluff. Is it?
1: There you go. There you
3: go. No idea. No idea. So do people book out the salons for their own parties or they want anonymity as an individual? What is it um, really? It,
2: it, it goes both ways. There are some people that they want everyone to know that they're the high roller. So yeah. they'll, they'll have a salon but then they'll walk around the, the main floor of Mahogany betting like uh, betting their plaques. Yeah. Because you can have, uh, if you're a high roller, if you've got your own salon, you can have a personal differential. So instead of uh, playing to the table differential, you've got a little sign that says personal limit yeah. and you just put it in front of your chips and you can go to any table and play your limits on any table. So there are some that just like to big note themselves like that. But the real big players, yeah, they want the anonymity because they're really important in their home country and they don't want people who are obviously all of them love gambling. So they're going to definitely run into someone they know.
3: So they're recognisable faces. Yeah, exactly.
2: And you'll, you'll see a lot of people who are uh, from the same country will generally get to know each other just from playing their own little circuit. So it might be Macau, it might be Australia, might be... Uh, uh, a lot of them play at Bellagio as well, so generally they're running into each other enough that they're like, "All right, so he's in the same boat as me, so that'll be their friends." Yeah, and so they'll generally be able to swap in and out of each other's salons. So let's say if Mister X was playing, there's another guy. Um, we'll call Mister Bow. He he was allowed to come in and play anytime he wanted in his salon. Like he expressly said that. And so
3: ah, so these salons aren't something that I'm going to rent for the weekend. Oh yeah, no, this no, no, salon's no. something that somebody owns.
2: Oh no no no, they're invite only rooms. so so you can't actually rent them out you bring them up and say I'm coming over um, and generally how much money you're bringing will determine if they're going to offer you a salon or not so if it's a first time player coming over they got some cash they'll offer them the best salon so um, that's obviously going to be the introduction the next time they come they're going to give them a the salon's a bit down and they're obviously going to kick up a sting and be like why? And it's like well this person's here and you're betting this much money and obviously they understand that you know what I mean?
1: Meanwhile the salon's empty
2: Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah exactly so there's definitely that incentive for them to get up to that level because all of them most of it's about ego that's what made dealing easier is realising that these people just wanted the ego stroked and so you can just pretty much bullshit them and make your day a whole lot easier if they think they like you but that involves putting your ego aside you know what i mean so i had no problem with that because i didn't want to have to do much work and i just didn't <laughs> like being abused so anything i could do to have an easy shift that was the goal that was just number one priority was how do we have the easiest shift we can possibly have today so salons were easy because you either got kicked out or you didn't you know so you're either dealing good and you stayed there or kicked out and you just had to walk around and wait until another deal kicked out of a different salon and you jump in there
1: i feel like there's a book in the making here yeah, How can I make this shift as easy as possible? <laughs> yep. A guide to retail workers. <laughs> the, the, the idiot's guide to casino employees. Yeah. Yep. I think it, it, it transcends <laughs> casinos. I think any retail job, any first job.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's actually not a bad idea. I mean, if I could be bothered, I'd definitely get a book. But <laughs> yes. I need a, I'm
3: so lazy, I'm not fucking writing that. Yeah. <laughs> we need
2: a ghostwriter. We'll just give them these four episodes of Family Stories and see what they can come up with. It's catch-22. I'll, yeah. I'll sign
3: it and just uh, take take the money out of it. Um, but so, yeah, some dealers so, get sick of it. Yeah. So whilst you never worked for tips, obviously being a dealer in Australia, uh, did you never think that uh, you wanted to take your skills somewhere else overseas? Uh, I did think about it, and that's why
2: I looked at Vegas, and that's how I found out that you have to do the shit casinos first, and then they recruit yep. from there. I'm like, yeah, no, I ain't going back to the shit <laughs> casinos. Man. Fuck that. Um, but that was the main place I looked. I didn't look at... Um, uh, Southeast Asia because uh, I didn't trust it to be honest. I don't know how it works, and I'm guessing conditions. If they we got treated mm-hmm. bad here, I'm guessing yeah. Southeast Asia. Yeah, you're not going to be valued too much better. Um, but we there's heaps of uh, well crown owned some casinos in Macau as well. So there's lots of crossover staff going there. But it was definitely interesting going to Macau. If I want to go anywhere, it would be Vegas. Like i would be right in the heart of it. Yeah,
3: doing um, that as if you're a poker dealer though. That's they're always desperate to find poker dealers uh, um, during during World Series time. Oh, okay. yeah. Not because of the World Series necessarily, but because every other poker room's getting packed and all yep. their dealers yeah. are getting pulled over to yep. WSIP.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That's something that you could definitely look into. I'm not sure how that works. Um, I didn't look into it that much because I didn't have poker. Poker was one of the games that I wanted to get, but I already had my three games when I went, oh, to, yeah. went to Crown. So I just didn't have an opportunity to be able to learn it. If I was going to learn it, I had to learn it as a supervisor. And generally, you divide it up into either you're pro- progressing through mahogany room or you're progressing through poker room. They're the yeah. two sort of major, major avenues you go because they're so separately run. That then generally you have a separate set of staff. Not much crossover between mahogany and um, and poker unless it's for like poker events and things yeah. like
1: that. It certainly flies in the face of your. Let's see how little I can do today. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Yeah.
2: But it was just it would be cool to do poker because it wasn't so much as them against you. Yeah, so you yeah. can be a bit more of an observer as opposed to being the one that everyone called a cunt. <laughs> but um, some, some players, some dealers, just they'll they'll realise that they don't want either. They just want to be on the main floor dealing with the plebs and, and not yeah. have to deal with any sort of. They don't want to have to pretend to be nice, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Especially since yeah. we don't take tips. If you don't if you don't want to be nice, you don't have to. You know what I mean? You yeah. can do whatever you want. You know, you're still getting paid the same. I I and one of my friends, he was in this is the last last shift at the Mahogany Room. He's doing on the back right table, and there's one dude that was just being a real arsehole, and he was playing between two tables, and um, uh, he just had enough of him. And so he's called no more bets, and the guy's come back, and um, he's going, what, you called no more bets? You don't want a bet anymore? And he's like, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't realize you were playing this table. This guy's going, you motherfucking cunt. I think he was gay as well, and like the dealer was gay, he's called him a motherfucking faggot. And so he's going, all right, fuck this. And so the next hand, he waited for him to put his bet on, Put his bet down, picks it up, throws it on the table, goes, "No more bets." got <laughs> <laughs> <at> the cards. <laughs> so obviously the Duke had played. He's gone. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> that was his last shift up there. it <laughs> would be worth
1: it. Yeah you have any uh, designs to, to uh, going out in a blaze of glory with your last shift
2: yeah I did think about it but um, I, nothing bad happened like, yeah. uh, generally I got treated pretty nicely in the mahogany room because I wasn't a total cunt to the players and, and
1: it must be different in the mahogany room too because you're going to see the same faces back you know, Exactly, be it you know, in short term or long term yeah. whereas on the main floor it's there, yeah,
2: one and done and also I had ambitions outside of that place and a lot of the high roll gambles in there are pretty important outside of that place so it's always yeah. you know you'll consider what bridges you're willing to burn and, and who you really know that's in there
3: Ma- maintained any contacts for, with pl- any
1: well I know there was one person that gave you their business card
3: uh, uh, Bob Hawk did yeah,
4: oh, oh, Bob, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah I don't think I know if he remembers that one now because it's a while ago going going too well um, I not not on you know, on official terms, but I still see some around and like you recognize each other, so you still give each other a nod. But in public, you generally don't acknowledge it unless they acknowledge it first. Yeah,
3: because they don't want you to, they, to be outed as gamblers.
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like I've had, I've been walking through the supermarket before and just been walking down an aisle, and someone's walked down the way and then gone. How's your day going? And kept on walking and just giving me a wink. And you're like, the fuck, and you look around. And you're like, ah, gambler. And they're over yeah. there, they're, they're, they're fairly whatnot, but they still want to go out and say hello. Yeah. So. Like they don't want to be rude, but they don't want you to bust them in front of the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> that's where the money's going.
1: They still like that. Ah, oh, I know yeah. something. And, yeah, you
2: know. but especially eating in restaurants. Like you go to restaurants, and like the owner, yep, in crown. Yeah. But a lot of time, it's not because they're they're not so much as an addicted gambler. It's because uh, they just want to put some money over there and claim it without having to put it through the the register and put, pay tax <laughs> on it. So I always was a bit curious that some were closed on a on a certain day that uh, was really busy. Usually, you know? right? Like some 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 Sunday. Restaurants that are shut on Sundays, it's like it's usually a pretty busy day, but um, you can go to the casino on Sunday and it's generally pretty quiet. So <laughs> easy to turn over your money and uh, not put that through the register. That's why some of the, the cash only, no FPOS, you're like, ah, yeah, let's see oh, what's going on here. I think that's one of the most well known scams going around, yeah, especially exactly. in Melbourne, the restaurant
1: yeah. that doesn't take credit cards. Like, yeah. yeah, you're not paying
2: tax. Exactly, especially when like, you recognize the owner yeah. <laughs> at the table. You're like, hey, your restaurant's not that big. <laughs>
1: There was a restaurant in uh, Glen Waverley that we used to go for lunch all the time. Yeah. And everyone knew it was like, the service was shit. Yeah. But the food was really cheap and decent enough. Yeah. And like, no credit cards. And then <laughs> they, they got done for um, health violations. Oh, really? And everybody knows it's like, all right, pro- the health violations are probably there, but they've targeted them because they don't take cash. Yeah. And the workers, they're not being paid. You know, yeah. <laughs> yep. They're being paid cash too, yep. certainly. And then I remember like, it was in the paper that they got done for the health violations and all of us at work, we went, oh, well, line-up's going to be easier. <laughs> it's, like, it, it it's not going to yeah. stop us from going there. We didn't get sick. Exactly. But
2: well, that's how I judge my... Because my missus is Viet Heritage, so that's how I judge a good Viet restaurant, like a good pho restaurant or something, is that I have look in there. It has to be the dodgiest looking one with no white people. Yep. And I can guarantee you that's some yeah. of the best shit you will, you'll yeah, get. And yeah, like, don't mind the, the roaches or anything else, but that's generally my, my yardstick. But since... In the last five years or so obviously access to southeast asia has become a whole lot cheaper more people have gone so they know what to expect with authentic yeah. food so they're starting to cotton onto it so it's kind of ruined my ability to better to just stereotype a restaurant from the outside
3: <laughs> but understand that you ruined it for every other white person because they look in the window and say you as a white guy go, <laughs> yeah. exactly. can't here. there's a white guy in there yeah
2: and especially since i'm the token white guy with the group of asians <laughs> yeah. as well so like ah yeah yeah but it's funny when well, you see the other token token white guy because you sort of know each other's situation you're like alright well we've got fuck all conversation here so <laughs> give each other a little bit of nod <laughs>
1: it's like the, the blokes holding the handbags out the front of the changing rooms like, exactly oh, yep, yep, yeah yeah,
2: yeah. yeah that's it the first sort of uh, I don't know witchery or something that gets a playstation there fucking goldmine that yeah. <laughs> it, would make me want to go well not want to go shopping but tolerate going tolerate. shopping they need a bar they yeah. need a bar, a bar?
3: They, yeah these places yeah. need a bar and a comfortable chair because They've always got one chair outside the change rooms, and yeah, you, yeah. there's a fucking great queue of women to, waiting to get in. You go there and go, like, oh, fuck some cunts in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So What am I going to do? Hang, a, hang around the laundry section and worry about yeah. people staring at me? Yeah. If I they had a bar. Be fine. Shop I, all day through. Exactly. Put the sport on the telly and a bar and a beer. Yeah, Just take your time. Nah, try something else. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I
1: I do remember pitching that actually as an idea for, at a, a company we used to work at, where there was the the baby show or the kids and baby exi- oh, right. exhibition at the exhibition expo. center yeah. expo that's the word i was after and i said what we should do is just set up a bar and then while they're talking we we'll go oh well here's a flyer about about us <laughs> got knocked back but as i expected
2: but
1: yeah. uh, the idea would have been fun I, st-
2: I still like it yeah <laughs> i we'll,
1: mean the baby expo i mean you know the bloke's gonna be there the wife's gonna be pregnant or yeah. whatever yeah Or his girlfriend as well
2: And he's had enough of her So he's <laughs> He's with a bit For a drink
1: He doesn't need to see Which nappies They're going to get
2: <laughs> Yeah I'm glad I haven't gone through that yet It'll come <laughs> yep. It's a trap isn't it That's what they
1: say um, God I was going somewhere With that as well um, Do you know Which restaurant I was talking about Down Glenway Have you been down there much
3: Yeah A few times Which one are you talking about Ramen uh, yeah no now, now
1: it's called Dumpling Kingdom or something okay so it's legit it's gone legit now but oh. that, that was the
3: cash only
1: that was the cash only one. yeah <laughs> you could like we'd go there as a group of five or six and you'd be full and there'd be food left on the table and it'd be eight bucks each
2: yeah
1: now they've come back it's legit they take credit cards and they've cleaned it up and they've got proper staff and it cost you $13
2: sorry around the corner the illegit one was still popping must up must be something <laughs> yeah there. there was always one somewhere yeah. And
1: I'm pretty sure it's the same odors. Under new management, you're like, yeah, it's the missus instead of the bloke.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then she
3: fucks off with a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> so when are you going to get back to the poker tables, Rob It's
1: been a long time. It has. I'm trying to remember. The last time I played at Crown was years.
3: Um,
1: so, yeah, I really only played once or twice last year. It was the last time I was at your
3: place. Yeah, probably a year ago. Home games are a pain in the ass to uh, organise. So. Yeah, uh,
1: unless you're doing it every month. Yeah, and yeah. you've got a reliable group yeah. of people. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, they were the best times I had at poker. Was um, you know the Friday night games? We played two to three a month, yeah, and right. it was the same blokes.
3: And we just it's in, up in Sydney,
1: yeah, I, I, in in Sydney. And I was playing with a bunch of Turks and Greeks, um, and all. I was the youngest one there, and I was probably 28, 29. and most of them are closer to forties or yeah, you know, there. So it was, it was a great mob, and there was once or twice where somebody got aggro. And usually it was just, they got aggro and they went, oh, fuck it, I'm going home. <laughs> and then they rock up next week, nothing happened. Yeah. Like, uh, they're the best kind of games. And they're the games where you can have your stupid stuff like, like we spoke about it before, yeah. where, you know, the guys betting, raising, checking and folding all in the dark. bet,
3: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. hands. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you've got to have fun like that. And we used to play, um, uh, we called it Africans and Indians because we liked being racist. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> if it was an all black, like, it was going to be, there's three cards on the flop because we're always playing hold'em. Yep. Yeah. Um, if there's two reds, then that's Indians. If there's two blacks, then it's Africans, and you bet red or black. And if it's three, then it doubles. Right, yep. Um Anyway, that was... The, yeah, yeah, so, so, that's, so that's what we used to do all the time. Um, and then I couldn't believe it, five or six years later, that's actually an option at Crown on the Poketail. Not so anymore. Right, they Not got anymore. rid of
3: it. They, it had to be an all-single-colour flop. Ah, oh, um, right. So it wasn't just two-to-one, but they, they did put it in at Crown for a wee while. Um, but then they changed it for another increase in the rake yeah. um, for the jackpot drop um, uh, yeah. what I do do with a couple of friends down, down there one guy in particular we each have a card in the deck yep. and if your card is on the flop it's five bucks yep. um, if your card is paired so my my card's king of hearts if there's another king on the flop or the turn of the river then it's ten bucks if there's a third king it's twenty and if all four kings are on the board it's and fifty Yep. yep. Um, and it's you know, it's good fun. Um and but and his his the same, so you you know, you you're moving five bucks back and forward frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but you sort of semi celebrate, hey, get exactly. in there, come on <laughs> <looking> <laughs> out yeah. and all the the Most half the dealers don't know what's going on. Um, a quarter of the dealers know what's going on but ask you to keep a little bit quiet yeah. and subsequently you end up playing if you just sat next to each other rather than the other end of the yeah. table. And a quarter of the dealers will say, ah, none of that, yeah. none of that, none of that. Yeah. Because they're not obviously getting a rake from it.
1: Yeah. Or, or the supervisors over their shoulder. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. But, but why I like that one, or doing that, uh, playing live, is because I, I find it hard to pay attention long enough online playing. Especially because right. you're playing for six hours or something, especially playing tournaments or you're playing cash games for for a night. Whereas I find if you're doing those sort of side prop bets, it keeps me uh, entertained by the action going on. So I actually yeah. pay attention to what's going on and, and I'll be more in the game. Whereas I tune out for playing online, which is something that I've got to really work on. And um, I end up doing something else and just playing bad, really bad poker. You know what I mean? Yeah, well,
3: if, then- I, if I'm in a hand with my mate and I've got the King of Hearts, uh, he's not necessarily in the hand, but um, I've got the King of Hearts on the flop and I've got 6-7 and the flop might be King-8-Deuce yeah. Um, yeah. and someone bets into me. I call just because I want to see if there's another the up, you know? Throw 50 I bucks. I need to see another card. I need to see another card. Yeah. Well, you've got to put that into your odd calculations as well.
2: <laughs> now, this guy doesn't realise, but I'm actually getting two to one on this call.
1: <laughs> uh, I yeah, love those side bets because, I mean, essentially poker is boring it takes yeah. hours Ooh, it was
3: Norman Chad wasn't it that said um, poker is hours of boredom interspersed with brief moments of excitement or something of extreme terror
1: so you got to do those little things and that's why like online poker like, I used to play daily online yeah. poker back in the day before you know all the scandals and that kind of stuff um, and it was I'd be I'd have you know YouTube up in one corner watching something and then two maybe three tables in the other yeah. <laughs> half of the screen playing but I can't do it anymore like online poker it's just, it just hasn't yeah. it's not the same uh,
3: legislation was passed this week to uh, finish online poker in Australia I, really? I remember you
1: saying yeah. it was coming yeah. so there's got to be another way to do it Yeah, um, but yeah I do like the, the social aspect is what you need to it as well yeah, yeah I agree um, yeah. somebody's got to be you know misquoting Rounders yeah. um, for it to be a proper game <laughs> it's amazing yeah. that all these years on like Rounders is still the poker movie
3: it is the archetypal poker movie there's, absolutely
1: there's been so many attempts to do the next one and make yeah. it bigger and better and like nope
2: but it wasn't, like, the other ones, as people who play poker, you weren't like, oh, they understand what, what we go through. You know what I mean? Yep. They are poker players. It's like, Rounders was that. Whereas there was a shit one with Ben Affleck, there was a shit oh. one with Eric Banner, and... What was the other? Lucky, lucky you. Lucky with Eric you. Banner. Yeah, no, something horrible. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you know what one on the flip side was the movie *Croupier* with... Um, Daniel, uh, not Daniel Craig. The, oh, God, the skinny guy. Yeah, he was in, um, he was in Sin City. Oh,
3: fuck, what is he... British fella, um, no idea.
2: Uh, I, oh, I can see. Anyway, yeah, he um he did, They did a movie with him, and it was really sort of true to the aspect of what you go through as a dealer, is working night shift and the relationships you have. But that was about getting the scam going on. It's so obviously it's blown out of proportion, but was it, you actually watched it? You are like, ah, oh, they've actually got a consultant here who's actually been through it and done it, yeah. and you know it's actually legit. And the interesting thing with that one is they had um. Uh, the start and the finish was just well. The start was these card tricks done from the angle of on top of just two uh, two hands, and it was showing like these different ways to to cheat. But then on the back end of the movie, they showed it from underneath on a glass table, so you can see how he's doing all those cheating. It was fucking really handy. Clive Owen. Clive Owen. That's yeah, the one. Okay. Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: Yep. Um, speaking about the card tricks, there was uh, on Netflix. I saw a, a doco on uh, Ricky Jay. Do you know Ricky Jay? No, I don't know Ricky Jay. You, you, I reckon you'll know him if you see him. He's the okay. uh, Looks like the old Texas gambler, but he's got, you know, the goatee beard. And he's a magician. But uh, he's, where's he from? Vegas. He's, okay. Yeah. Or he's probably not Vegas. He's probably from Missouri, but... But
3: he's a yak. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he's American. And
1: he was in uh, he's in Deadwood, actually. Oh, really? He's... Because uh, I've just recently watched Deadwood again. <laughs> he's the uh, at the... the jam- no, not the jam... What's the other saloon called? The Bella Union. Oh, right. Uh, he's the dealer there. Oh, okay. um, but anyway, his card tricks is amazing. Yeah. Right. He's uh but you, on the, um, the documentary he get, gets to see how he does all, some of his tricks he yeah. doesn't give away the good ones but, yeah. Um, yeah I just love those ones like, I, to be able to do a proper card trick yeah.
3: so the, the other guy that's very good at that is a Scottish guy that was uh, in the, the series of the original Hustle or something oh, oh the, yeah. the real Hustle the real yeah. Hustle that's yeah. it the Scottish guy there he's very yeah, very good at those things as well that was yeah. a good
1: show because you put me on to Hustle and I still believe Hustle is one of the most underrated series out yeah. there because it's British so not many people have got over to it well, yeah
2: the Americans. The thing I find funny with watching those um, sort of videos of people who are excellent at sort of stacking decks and, and cheating yeah. is that everyone thinks that, oh yeah, if I learn how to cheat, I'll be able to, be able to do it until you realize how they do it. you like, shit, it takes skill.
3: And <laughs> well, how much practice. Yeah, yep, exactly. It's, it's, even chip tricks is yeah. a, a start. Yeah, it's the start of that. But. Well, that's
1: that. That book, I don't think I ever lent it to you because I did your favour. It's called. Um, <laughs> it, it's written by Gillette, but it's not written by Gillette. It's written by a bloke he knows, and it's called right. How to Cheat Your Friends at Poker. Ah, yeah, yep, and it's yep. a friend of his apparently yep. that uh, was a, a road gambler and a cheat, and he goes through this is how I cheat and do, it. and he says exactly that. He's like, all right, now you know how to do it. Do that another hundred thousand times. Yeah. Yeah. That's how. That's the secret. Is you practice it an un, unbelievably amount of times. But he goes through. You know, I do this and then I'll do that and I do that. And then sometimes I just steal the kitty. Like yeah. that's how you cheat. Yeah, just steal. <laughs> um, but in the back of the book, he has an odds table because you know, like any poker player knows, you know the chances of hitting. Probabilities. Yeah. yeah, and it yeah. has all the the probabilities there. And then in the final column, it says probability for cheating, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred
2: percent. That's right. It yeah, I remember reading that book. That was a pretty decent book, actually. I, I thought it was, it was pretty awful, some parts of it. but, uh, uh, yeah. it, but Again,
1: wow. you don't know how much the truth is in it.
2: But well, that's true as well. Yeah. It's interesting.
3: What started, What you watched any vlogs from Vegas? There's an increasing number of vloggers. Are there? Yeah, video I mean, vloggers. Not a thing, not a thing. Um, so the first one of any note was a fella called Trooper. He's been going for a while and he puts one out every week and it's you know, essentially the story of his daily life. So it becomes, it becomes a little bit boring, but trying to grind a to living playing poker. Yep. Um, and there 's more and more behind him now that have become really good so there 's a guy called andrew Nemi okay um probably about five ten player yep. mainly five ten player in the Bellagio, um and elsewhere and he is genuinely interesting talks through he, he films a little bit at the table yep, yep. Um, talks through his hands and his thought processes and his reads on the villain and why he 's done x and why he 's done y um and and it 's that 's fantastic is now, st- a few of the pros have started yeah. jumping on board behind it, but Andrew Nemi is absolutely superb. From okay. f- If you're interested in what um, a Las Vegas poker player's life is a like, grinder, yeah. uh, a grinder's life, mm. um, he's brilliant. Yeah, um, absolutely. Highly recommend. I would definitely
2: watch that, yeah, because I'm interested, uh, obviously I'm interested in that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah you would. Yeah. Um we're a bit over two hours, unless you've got any other stories going?
2: Well, I reckon, no, two hours is enough. So um, we done all right. I'll we'll save some for another one. For, yeah, I'm going to yeah.
1: say, we'll see you again in, in 12 months' time. Sounds <laughs> yeah, good. All right, thanks again, Ducks. Cheers, Brett.
0: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott.